you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to CollinsLastStand.com. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 75. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined, as always, by the turkey plump, Chris Raygun. Chris, how are you today? <laughs> I'm pretty good. How was Thanksgiving? It was uh, It was. It was not too shabby. Mm. Not too shabby at all. What did you eat? Uh, gee, I wonder. <laughs> a turkey. Well- did you have any ham? Oh, you no, don't like no, ham. No, no, we usually have ham, but like we, oh, didn't, okay. ha- we didn't this year because uh, it's always excessive and we have ham for weeks and weeks on end. Right. Yeah. You don't want to have ham for weeks on end. Yeah. No, certainly not. So, okay. yeah, it was a pretty, it was, it was a light one, but uh, pretty, pretty heavy, but we, we managed to get every through everything in like a day. Oh, cool. Yeah. Which is I, nice. I always love the leftovers. I mean, I, I think that's everyone's favorite part in, in some sense. Oh, no. Yeah. Everything, no? Always, everything always tastes worse. When it's hmm. left over. Hmm. It's not the same. It's it isn't the same, but I just love going into the fridge. There's just like a cacophony of stuffing and mashed potatoes and whatever, and I just dump it all on the plate and throw it in the uh in the microwave and just see what happens, basically. <laughs> That's what I do anyway. Yeah. 
But uh, I hope everyone had a nice Thanksgiving and a wonderful, especially a wonderful Black Friday. I know everyone really loves Black Friday. Yeah. Uh, Really fantastic day. And for all of our foreign listeners that don't celebrate Thanksgiving or for our Canadians that celebrate Thanksgiving on a different day, I think they celebrate Thanksgiving in October, as I I recall. So it's not the same thing, though, is it? No, I don't think so. It's a different sort of uh, Canuck Thanksgiving. It wouldn't make sense for it to be the same thing. No, no, they they they've stolen enough of our culture. They don't need to steal that as well. You know what I mean? So <laughs> they have hockey. They do have hockey and I love hockey. They are the they are the progenitors of the of the hockey. And I appreciate that so very much. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I just feel like uh, the Canadians celebrating this year and the and everyone's celebrating different things. It's very confusing. I think we should all just celebrate the same holidays and they should just we should just celebrate all the American holidays. Yeah. Everywhere in the world. Yeah, it's unbiased. No, it's not, there's not a hint of bias in that at all. But our listeners, Chris, def- definitely appreciated, you know, if they're in Europe or South America or the Middle East or whatever, they did appreciate that we didn't miss a beat. And just to reiterate to everyone, we're never going to miss unless Chris is dead or I'm dead or something horrible happens. We're not going to miss a week for this show or for Sacred Symbols Plus, regardless of the holiday season. So we can satiate everybody. Imagine if you're like a British guy, right? And you get up and you have your potatoes and your bacon for breakfast and your sausages. And then you work to walk to work on a on a Tuesday or a Thursday or a Friday or whenever you listen to the show. And we're not there for you. And it's like, well, yeah, that'll I, never don't, I don't I don't celebrate things. That'll never happen. I drove through some crazy snow to get <laughs> to get home in time. Well, yeah. Tell me about what happened. So I, I texted you yesterday. You said you were I guess you were in the woods somewhere what what's going on i was uh i was out at a friend's place like a little bit more north of my parents place and like some freak storm i say freak even though like everybody knew about it except for me because uh, i'm out of the loop but yeah just like some f- crazy snow just fell out of nowhere and i was like oh this is uh looking pretty good and i'm in upstate new york so <laughs> there's not a lot of uh not a lot of plows yet at the time that i saw it so like i was like okay sick did you know anyone growing up that like their dads would just put the plow on the truck and like make a little extra money plowing around? I always loved that. Yeah, I knew some people who did that. Yeah. Yeah. These these dads and the well, maybe moms. I never saw a mom do it, but that would, uh, you know, make a 20, 25 bucks an hour salting and plowing and doing your best, your civic duty, as it were. Uh, the weather down here is is rainy here in Virginia. But I've lived in California for so long, just like you've lived in California for quite some time that I never check the weather. I just don't even look at it. So whatever happens, happens. Yeah. And I I have to kind of readjust there a little bit. But I'm going to be back in L.A. next week for a few weeks. So whatever's going on there, I don't know. We'll see. Fires and earthquakes, et cetera and so on. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be here with you today, Chris. Today's episode of Sacred Symbols doesn't have a lot of news. There's not a lot that's happened, but I've tried to fill our planning document chock full of questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas from our audience. Remember, you can support our show on Patreon at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand to get early ad-free access to every episode of the show, exclusive access to Sacred Symbols Plus, which is our supplemental weekly podcast. Last week's episode was a Death Stranding mailbag, or a Death Stranding spoiler cast, rather. And this week, we're going to do a mailbag. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Instead of doing our Jedi Fallen Order spoiler cast, we'll get into that in a second. But before I do that, I just want to mention... You can go to collinslaststand.com to get all the information you need, links to the various shows, uh, links to merch if you'd like to buy merch for yourself or a loved one this holiday season. And I want to especially thank everyone for their support on Patreon. Collins Last Stand's Patreon is bigger than it's ever been. It's booming. It's the second biggest video game podca- or Patreon in the entire world, only behind Easy Allies. And it's the 10th biggest podcast or podcast network on all of Patreon. 
So we thank you so much for that. And we really couldn't do it without you. So for the 7,500 or so of you that have supported us over there or are currently supporting us, uh, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for that, because we know you don't have to do that. We know that there's lots of competition out there. And for the many tens of thousands of you that listen to the show for free, that's perfectly fine as well. We hope you continue to enjoy it. Now, Chris, the Death Stranding Sacred Symbols Plus spoiler cast, as I said, is up. Mm-hmm. Now, we were going to do the Fallen Order one this week, but I've kind of I wanted to rejigger this a little bit because I feel like if you're not into spoiler spoiler casts or you're not caught up on these various games and you're going to go two weeks without being able to listen to the show. Right. In a timely fashion, which I think is kind of unfair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So I feel like we'll punt on that one until maybe next week and we'll just do a mailbag this week because as people know, you guys submit so many great questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas to our show that I've just been putting the ones that I can include in our show into a a second document that we are slowly working our way through. So if you haven't heard your inquiry on the show, you might hear it on there. So thank you so much for your kindness and your understanding there. Chris, let's get into some of the peculiarities that our audience likes to submit to us. Love it. Starting with some corrections, if you don't mind. Ryan Van Wingerden wrote in and said, hey, CNC, just a quick addendum to the most recent plus episode. So he's talking about Sacred Symbols Plus, the Death Stranding spoiler cast. He said the little intermediary hatches in between, say, north and northeast are referred to as north by northeast. You simply name the cardinal direction first and the median direction second. So south by southwest or east by southeast, etc. Thanks, guys. So we were talking a little bit about compasses. And I know I don't say that word right. A lot of people make fun of me for saying it wrong. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you said something. What do you how do you say it? How do you say it? It's a compass. Compass. <laughs> it's a compass. <laughs> All right, fine, whatever. Well, I, I don't know. Whatever. We were talking a little bit about that and how one of the enemies in particular in the game, one of the antagonists has this constantly spinning compass. You see, it's not it's not spelled C-U-M-P-U-S-S. Yeah, I know. But like, I mean, eh. I guess we do computer. say computer. Yeah. 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 Very well done. I guess I just tricked myself out of uh, thinking that was true. So thank you, Ryan, for your correction. I actually know that, but I probably should know that more off the top of my head, considering I have a degree in history and we uh, looked at maps a lot. Yeah. Way to make movements. us look like idiots. Van Wingerden, whatever the hell that name is. Yeah, I know. That's a made up name. That's not your real name. Dylan Wagner wrote into us and simply said, my dad likes Long John Silver's. <laughs> I like that as as something that somebody went out of their way to respond with. Appreciate that. So as everyone knows, last week we were talking a little bit about the the mystery of Long John Silver's, the the fish seafood based fast food restaurant that apparently makes $700 million in revenue a year, but I've never known anyone that's actually eaten it. Well, Mr. Wagner, let's say Dylan Wagner's dad's name's Fred. Fred Wagner. He likes Long John Silver's quite a bit. Ruben Barrett wrote into us, and this is a very timely question considering this, this is an era... This is an eon of meat eating right now at this time of year. He says, hey, Chabata, Colin and Crouton, Chris, what's the best meat? Chicken, pork, beef or lamb? Lamb. What do you say? It's interesting that lamb is just thrown in there because I feel like like why lamb over venison Hmm. or duck or like like that's that's such a strange. eh, I don't know. I don't like that lamb is in there. No, it, it ruins the whole trifecta, the traditional trifecta of chicken, pork and beef. Yeah. Or I guess you could throw a turkey in there, I guess. I feel like chicken is a very... It's hard to make bad chicken because chicken is so malleable. Mm. You can do so much with chicken. And it's just sort of like... It's kind of like it's bland by itself. You know what I mean? It's like like you you eat it when it's by itself and it's like, ah, this is fine. But then you can season it and you can make it like 
incredibly delicious. Whereas like beef, it's like if you don't season beef, you're getting the taste of beef. And that's either a positive or a negative, depending on who you are. So as far as like versatility goes, I think I'm going with chicken. Chicken is definitely a versatile meat, uh, poultry, as it were. I like the chicken cutlet personally the best, the Italian classic chicken cutlet. But have we talked about it? I feel like because last week I was we were talking about farting at the urinal. Apparently, we've already talked about that. I can't remember anything. But did we talk about how I find it so weird that people prefer white meat? Like, isn't that weird? Do you like white meat more than dark meat? I I just like meat. I don't think Mm. I have a specific preference over white or dark meat. Interesting. Honestly, it's interesting because I love the dark meat. I just feel like it's juicier. It's more tender because I feel like white meat really runs the risk of getting really dry. Like uh, I used to date this girl who had a friend. And when when we would go out to eat, she would always make sure that the chicken was like white meat. She had to have white meat chicken if it was like on the, the menu or whatever. And I'm like, but why would you want white meat over dark meat? I don't understand. There's no I flavor. I think there, there's flavor in white meat. I just think I, <clears throat> I think the risk is the problem. Where it's like, because you can have white meat that's pull, pulled off super well, and then it's incredible. But then you run the risk of having it done really poorly. Whereas like dark meat is like kind of like a safe bet overall, but also, I, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever had dark meat that's as good as the best white meat that I've ever had. Interesting. That's an interesting thing you just said there. I feel like pork, he brings up. I like pork. I just had pork chops like two days ago. But mm. pork is really, and obviously, who doesn't love bacon? But for me, I look at it and I feel like it's it's really hard to cook. Pork is like yeah. on a razor's edge. You can really fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, it's I've had really this. It's a really hard meat to mess around with. You got like a 20 second window to get that thing out of the oven. Also, the, I find like the, there's like a mood to it, too, where it's like you kind of mm. have to be in the mood for pork. Yeah, I feel like bacon. Bacon's a little bit more on the you know, you can have it whenever. But what 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 is prosciutto? Uh, prosciutto, I think, is ham. Yo, prosciutto is delicious. It is. It is. I had that just a few days ago with a ch- charcuterie that we had on Thanksgiving. Oh, how nice. Oh, I love it. It's so good. I mean, that's a, that's so good. I totally agree with you there. And then he brings up beef. Now, I feel like my answer is probably beef simply because I love steaks and I especially love cheeseburgers. Mm-hmm. But we, we can't have either without without the beef. But I have to say... The 20, the 80, 20 beef is what's essential. The, the I like the fatty beef when people yeah. like make these 96, four cheeseburgers and they're like fucking hockey bucks. Don't do that to me. I don't want you to do that to me. And then lamb. I don't think I've ever had lamb outside of an Indian restaurant. I actually really love uh, this dish. I think it's a pretty ubiquitous dish. I don't know what it's called anywhere else, but in the restaurants I've been to, it's called frontier lamb and it's really good, but I don't know that I would ever go out of my way for it. If yeah, I was not in an Indian I, restaurant. I definitely wouldn't go out of my way for lamb. I like bison. Bison's, bison's pretty, pretty good. Yeah, bison's pretty good. Nice. It's, it's apparently good for you. Oh, so, good. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not. Another American meat, the bison. So, Ruben, thank you for your very... That's probably the, be- the best conversation we're going to have this entire episode. So, <laughs> Yeah, given the news. Thank you so much. Daryl Mercer wrote in, and I especially love Daryl's last name because Mercer, of course, is the turncoat cobra soldier in G.I. Joe. Mm-hmm. So Daryl Mercer wrote in. He said, hey, curmudgeonly Colin and cantankerous Chris. Is it just me or is Chris constantly baffled? Is it just the games industry is doing more baffling things or is it that Chris is genuinely always in a state of being baffled? Also, why not just confused or befuddled? Chris? Confused is boring. Mm. And befuddled sounds a bit too, I don't know, Nick Jr. 
Oh, like okay. a little bit too like oh you you'd hear that on like the Teletubbies. Blues you know clues. I mean? It seems like yeah. a blues clues kind of word. Sure. That you would learn like something that you would learn at the end of like I don't know some I don't know some some PBS special. I don't know. It's, it's too it's too fancy. Baffled is nice because it's, it's a good simple. Word. Yeah. You know, it's got the two F's in there. It's a good it's a good word. Also, there's a lot of just baffling shit happening for real. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I have no problem with the word baffle. And, you know, is Chris consistently baffled? I, it seems that that's actually the case. So, yeah, I, we're always confused. We're always a little bit. Well, we're always a lot depressed. Let's put it. Let's be real. And we're doing the best we can. All right, Daryl. So <laughs> just, you know, just, we're just, just trying to survive. Jeremy Miller wrote into us. Now, Jeremy always get, catches my eye on Patreon because he has Magnet Man as his icon. Magnet Man, of course, is my favorite Mega Man villain. So, Jeremy, keep up the good work. He says, hey, Colin and Michael Baker's game review. What does that mean? <laughs> oh, my God. So I just, what does that I, mean? just, I just did a video where I looked at some of my old private videos from like when I was 12 on YouTube. And that was like one of the sketches was Michael Baker's game reviews. <laughs> It's fucking terrible. <laughs> I did notice that you put up like two videos in three days. It's quite the it, it is a time of great bounty. It is. Yeah, I've got plenty too, like ready. Oh, good for you. I'm That's very set. exciting. Good for you. My question is in regards to the future of Let's Plays on the YouTube channel. So Jeremy's referring to the side quest YouTube channel that I created that we kind of just threw we, the episode. Every episode of this show goes up there for people that prefer YouTube. But um, also, we put some Let's Plays up and, and I have a show called SideQuest that I do occasionally, although I haven't been doing it too much simply because YouTube frustrates me so much that uh, I feel like I have no control over what people see or anything like that. So anyway, he says, while the singular ones, so Let's Plays with just you, one of you are fine, I do miss the chemistry that comes with both of you playing a game at the same time. Do you have any plans to do Let's Plays with both of you at once via something like SharePlay or playing a multiplayer game? Maybe the solution is creating new duos for gameplay videos. For example, Colin could have a series showing his mom new games. He says mom, by the way. And Chris could have one with himself and Tom Sweeney playing games from their childhoods, like Destroy All Humans and Dragon Dragon Ball Z Budokai 3. That is a very, those are specifically accurate. I know he's, he's Jeremy is like Damn. a, like a biographer. That's actually so scary because like, I feel if somebody would, would have asked me like what my childhood games were, I was like, ah, I don't know. And then this guy just knows. But he's like your idea. unofficial biographer. God. He's going to write a little bit of a book about you. Yeah, God help us. Now, uh, this is a good question. I don't know what we're going to do here. I like Chris's Let's Plays a lot, so I keep asking him to do them. And I assume we'll do one or he'll do one or two a month as his schedule allows moving forward when we're finally permanently apart on the other sides of the country. But I kind of like the idea of bringing Chris out. Like Chris goes to New York several times a year to see his parents. So it's somewhat easy to get from like LaGuardia or JFK to Richmond and I wonder if maybe I'll just have him down a few times. Maybe we could just record a bunch. Yeah, I don't really know what we're going to do, but I, I don't see the thing about Let's Plays and about the side quest show and stuff is that these are just additive products that we do, but really they're not supported on Patreon. They're not really promised products. So we really have to figure out a way to make them most effectively and to make them cost effective as well, because I pay Chris for them. We make a little bit of money on YouTube. But not very much. So, and that's kind of the reason why I, I'm not into YouTube right now, because I just don't feel like it's not really quality oriented necessarily. You have to click the little bell to see if anyone even, you know, to get your videos yeah. uh, out there and stuff. I just I don't really understand what's going on there. And I feel like with podcasting, we just have a lot more control. So that's why I'm putting more of my energies 
into that. But the, the short answer, well, it's not really a short answer at all, Jeremy, but the answer nonetheless is that, yeah, we'll do more in the future together. We have to just figure out how we're going to make that work. But I do love the idea of getting Tom Sweeney in on some of this. And I've actually never met Tom in person, uh, but. Oh, yeah, you haven't. <laughs> I'll have to talk to him at some point and see if he's interested in doing that, too, because we can get him on the payroll as well, if that's what's necessary. Yeah, uh, I mean. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll get something in there. Joshua Weiberg wrote into us and he says, hey, guys, this question is more for Colin. During last week's podcast, Colin had mentioned that he would never pick a game back up if there was a game breaking bug that caused him to lose all of his save data. Colin, would you feel the same way if a trophy for a game glitched on you, which kept you from getting the platinum? This just happened to me with Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, and I have no desire to replay the game since the last trophy is to get all of the chests and secrets. One chest didn't register for me. That would drive me into an, a rage the likes of which... I can't even describe to you how much that would annoy me and bother me. So that's truly I sad. feel for you. That's I truly feel for sad. you. Holy shit. I'd be really bummed out if that happened to me, especially if you were going after it. It seems like the Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order game. I think we mentioned this last week is somewhat broken. Yeah. And uh, I think speaks to the fact that they made it very quickly. And it doesn't seem like it went through QA appropriately because there I think, as I said last week, there are two spots in the game where the saves your save can break. And I think that maybe hopefully they've ameliorated that problem now. But I mean, broken trophies are really not very common anymore. We're going to have a question about a broken trophy later on. But this is something that's more from the PS3 era when trophies like wouldn't pop. I know games like Dead Island, the original Dead Island, was notoriously broken with that. So it's kind of shitty that like a game released in 2019 is causing the same issues that you would a game in like 2009 or 2010 would have caused. So it sucks. And that would drive me nuts. So I'm, I'm sorry about that. And uh, Joshua, maybe one day you'll just want to go and play it again. And, you know, in a few years and then you'll just clean up the trophy. I've done that. I've, I've cleaned up trophies years later. So maybe you'll want to do that. Now, a few pieces of news that are not really like big pieces. Of, well, they're big pieces of news, but they're not news that we can really talk about in the news section. The first thing is, is that it's PlayStation's 25th anniversary on December 3rd. So the day this goes live. It'll be PlayStation's 25th anniversary. PS1 launched in Japan on December 3rd, 1994. Jim Ryan, the CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment, wrote a little letter on PlayStation blog. And apparently they're going to maybe announce some things this week just based on our our recording schedule. We're not going to be able to get to that uh, in this episode, but we'll get to it in the next episode. So go read that if you want. Enjoy the 25th anniversary of PlayStation. It's incredible that it's been that long. I remember getting my PlayStation one. So I'm very, very old indeed. And also, if you guys want to Google around and you might have seen this on social media already, the PlayStation 5 dev kits, the V-shaped dev kits, there's another picture of two of them now side by side, along with what appears to be the DualShock 5. And there are PS4 dev kits in the background, which indicates that these are real images and not some sort of uh, chicanery going on with Photoshop or whatever. So you can go check those out if you want. There's not much more to say about them, but they're out there and they exist. So enjoy that. And the DualShock 5 looks a little chunky, like me. So you can go check that out as well. And finally, Kramerica86 wrote into us. We'll read this before we get into what we're playing. He said, Microsoft said they are not sending out very many dev kits and the ones that are going out are not close to the console itself so that Sony is surprised. Do you all think this is a good move? Chris, did you have you seen any of this conjecture about the Scarlet dev kit? No, I actually I, I haven't heard anything about Scarlet at all in a while. I didn't even know the dev kits were even around right now. So I guess what the what they're saying, first of all, I, they're. Phil Spencer's being a little weird lately with his comment about PSVR and all that kind of stuff. And then 
this so apparently the the dev kits the ps5 dev kits and we had talked about this a while ago i mean i've heard this from people i know are they're really powerful and it seems like the final dev kits are now out to a lot of trusted obviously all first party developers but also a lot of trusted third party developers but microsoft has been saying apparently that the scarlet dev kits are not finalized and that a lot of people don't even have them yet i guess they're still specking to pc because they want to quote unquote surprise sony this seems like a, no, a lot of nonsense, frankly, and appears to me to be that Microsoft wants to have the last word on power. So they're holding back as long as they can to see what Sony is doing before they finalize their own specs. Does that sound like something that might be possible? Yeah, I think it sounds about right. Also, Microsoft just kind of has a history of doling out fake dev kits, like uh, famously, like one of the one of the original, like first incarnations of the Xbox 360 was literally just some crazy aluminum briefcase that had nothing inside it <laughs> and stuff like that. It's like they have a history of kind of faking people out. So this isn't necessarily all that new, but I, I do think it's really just to kind of get the leg up at the end of the day. I think so, too. I mean, obviously, they've had to have submitted their orders for the parts and all these kinds of things. I don't know what more they can do about a year out from the console coming out and probably about eight or nine months away from having them actually manufacture the consoles, which is pretty exciting. I mean, these things are going to go into into manufacture this summer. So it is interesting to see like what they can possibly pull off. But it seems like Microsoft understands that it's one leg up over Sony because and I'm not trying to be fanboyish. And I don't think anyone that listens to the show thinks we're Sony fanboys because I don't think that's the case. But they have nothing on Sony as far as games are concerned. And I, I doubt that that's going to change anytime soon. It might change once these new acquisitions that they made last year start getting their games into motion although what we've seen from obsidian and ninja theory doesn't really i don't think scare anyone so far but for me i look at it and i'm like okay you've lost the software war but they are winning the 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 uh the xbox game pass kind of uh, the subscription war yeah the service war and then of course they're also i think attempting with xbox one s and, and everything else and maybe the new console to win the power war as a way to kind of market their console so if this were to be true, and it might be, I don't have a lot of connections on the Xbox, uh, Xbox side, especially anymore, then I would assume it's just to kind of protect that. Because if they lose the power battle with Sony as well, and they're going to lose the software battle, at least for a few years, then it's not looking great for them. So I think that that might play into it, but I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure. Yeah. We'll keep an eye on that, though. But I have to say, those dev kits are fucking ugly. Just throwing that out there. Which ones? And the uh, PS5 ones. Oh, yeah. I, I really don't. Just horrible. They're so heinous. Like, I don't know. Whatever. They're, they're dead kits. They, they're not final designs, at least. Yeah. I mean, if you guys look at the new picture, like I said earlier, if you look at the new picture, you can see PS4 dev kits in the background. They look like they're computer towers on their sides and like the old dev Dell yeah. things that you would put like a monitor on or whatever. So it's not like you're right. I mean, dev kits don't typically look or haven't typically looked like the console in question, but that that's not necessarily always true. PS3 dev kits and PS2 dev kits look just like the real console. So I don't know exactly what to believe, but God help us if that's the real form factor, because that is one ugly fucking machine. I got to say, it's 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 got to be the ugliest video game console I've ever seen. If that's really what it looks like, it's uglier <laughs> yeah, than anything yeah, I've ever seen. Really, it really is horrible. It really is just a travesty. Just absolutely horrible. <laughs> so we'll see. But anyway, you guys can go look up those pictures that has some 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 people that are also in the industry are chiming in on what they think and what they've seen and what they know. So there's a lot there, but a lot of this conjecture. And I suspect maybe with this 25th anniversary, we're going to see more about PS5 soon. So we'll just kind of keep our cards close to our chest for now 
and wait until we have more to talk about that's like substantive. I think that makes the most sense. Chris, let's get into what we're playing. You say here that you're still playing more Fallen Order. Do you have have you beaten it yet? Uh, not quite yet. I've not beaten it quite yet, but I think I'm I think I'm close. And and are you still enjoying yourself? Yeah, I I, I think I kind of like the game less as I play it more because I think it's it's dawning on me that like oh you know this is a very solid attempt at doing a lot of things that other games already do kind of like way better, but it's still impressive to me because it's respawn that did it. So I'm, 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 I keep having this weird, like push and pull where it's like, wow, this is incredible that respawn did this, but it's also like, Oh, I kind of wish I was playing second row right now. Or, (laughs) you know what I mean? I kind of have those feelings about it also because I'm just not really a star Wars person at all. So like a lot of the lore and story isn't really, hitting me in the way that I guess it hits most people. Still a solid video game. I don't know if it's really going to be anywhere near my favorites of the year so far, but there. I, but I also can't say anything really bad about it either. It's just, it's just a solid video game. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm only a few hours into it. I think it's cool. So I'm a lapsed Star Wars fan, as I always like to say. I think that the prequels kind of killed my passion for the, for the franchise, and then... The episode seven, especially and actually Rogue One really reinvigorated me as like, oh, maybe Star Wars is going to be good again. But that wasn't meant to be with the travesty that was episode eight. So, uh, you know, it's hard for me to kind of separate those kinds of things because this is all one overarching universe. But I was a big Star Wars fan when I was a kid. I was really into the expanded universe. I collected all the toys. I was I'm a big fan. And I feel like I find the game quite charming uh, from that perspective. I like the protagonist, I think some of the surrounding characters are really cool. I actually think the performances, the vocal performances are quite stellar and, you know, pardon the pun. And that I I can't help but find myself really interested in, in learning a little bit more about this these worlds and this story and how it fits in. It seems like it's somewhere around episode two or like between episode two and episode three, I guess. And I, that's not a really part of the, 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 ga- the galactic lore, as it were, that I really give a shit about. So it's cool, like playing in the beginning and seeing like a pile of battle droid heads and clone trooper helmets and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, this is kind of neat because usually when I see that iconography, I I screech in horror because (laughs) it it reminds me of these terrible movies that ruined Star Wars for me. So it's it it does have a lot of the makings or of the markings. And we'll talk about it in our spoiler cast of a game that was made quickly. There's a lot of really weird things in it, actually, that immediately made themselves uh, evident to me. And also, I can't believe how Uncharted-like it is in a lot of ways, which makes me wonder how much Project Ragtag found its way into this game. I feel like, and I don't know, maybe people have talked about this, I really try to avoid a lot of pre-release conjecture about games and pre-release information because I don't want to spoil games for me. And apparently, by the way, the Thanksgiving era, I guess, Fallen Order ad on TV is like ruining the ending of the game for a lot of people, which is like ridiculous. But... So this might have been Ansel already, but I feel like this there's Amy Hennig in this game or that they saw it and they were inspired by it or whatever. But like the the beginning of the game is Uncharted 2. I mean, I I let my yeah, yeah, no, literally I let my uh, nephews play the game when they were over for Thanksgiving They're in. Well, I have a few nephews, but the ones that were playing it, I think, are in fourth grade or fifth grade and second grade or something like that. And they were really into it, but they said to me, like, Uncle Colin, this is just like Uncharted. 
And I'm like, well, if they notice that, yeah, then right. <laughs> then I'm certain. Then I'm certain everyone else is noticing it. But nonetheless, I, I I'm surprised by how charm charming it is. But the Dark Souls light stuff that they're doing in the game, I don't really understand it. I don't really get what the point of having like the campfire type thing is and. That kind of stuff really harkens to a game that's like really difficult. And that's the hallmark of those kinds of games. And this game isn't difficult. I'm playing it on hard, actually. And it, 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 I die, but it just feels a little out of place. I don't really know. It, do, it seems to not have an identity. It, or it, yeah, it seems to have yeah. a little bit it, of an identity it, crisis. It feels like it's not hard enough to justify some of that stuff. For sure. Like even on the hardest difficulty, I was like, okay, well, parrying is still parrying. Like it's it's nowhere near, <laughs> it's nowhere near as hard as uh, Sekiro or or Bloodborne or any of these things. I it does feel like there's a lot of weird shit in it just for the sake of kind of being like, oh, it's like souls like. Uh even though it's kind of not really, like it is only in the sense that you parry. You know, right. it's it's it's, right. it's it's Sekiro in so much as you parry things and, you know, the way the game is set up, but you you really don't need that many campfires or bonfires or whatever the hell meditation points yeah there's a lot of them i mean at least in the the part so like it i don't really get but it's also weird too because you can't fast travel between them which is like why wouldn't you let me do that right yeah that's a good point like it's, yeah, it's i don't know yeah you kind of unlock these little shortcuts around the maps that allow you to get through them quicker but it would be cooler to yeah to be able to quick travel and stuff like that but the game doesn't seem to be that meaty i mean you can see the entire upgrade tree when you start it doesn't seem to be that robust and i i dig it i a few of the problems that I have with Star Wars generally are, are in this game. Obviously, I'm, I'm I feel like there should be so much blood in Star Wars. And I understand why there's not. And I guess like they're cauterizing the wounds with the lightsaber. So there's not blood and stuff. But I always think about that Darth Maul scene in episode one when Obi-Wan like slices him in half. And there's that like puff, like that puff of blood. It's like the first time you really ever see blood outside of like Empire Strikes Back when I guess Luke is a- attacked by the Wampa. And I'm like, well, that's kind of cool because I assume that that would be what it really was. I mean, you're slicing and dicing and destroying shit. Yeah. And there's just no blood anywhere, anything like that. And the other problem I have, maybe this is in the game later on because I'm only on those first two planets once you, I don't want to get too spoilery, but once you kind of open up the game a little bit from the intro. But why doesn't he have a blaster? I don't understand. Like, why do I have to fight everything with a lightsaber? It's just weird. That bothers me a lot. You know, I don't know if that I don't know if that opens up later, but I just find that weird. Like there's these little shitty creatures that you have to fight. And I'm like, why why wouldn't I just blast these things in the head? Why do I have to get all close to them and fight them with my lightsaber? It doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, I I, I never liked I feel like that's like a common thing where it's like in Star Wars games, you just tend to fight like just animals just going about their fucking business. (laughs) It's just like like massacring. It's weird. It's like this this gallivanting space deer is is not really doing anything if anything i'm encroaching on it and i i have to kill it so i can get a little bit better with my sword and you also (laughs) and it bothers the hell out of me that you can't cut stormtroopers in half i don't mind that there's no blood i I honestly don't mind that it's like fine like the cauterizing the the wound thing makes perfect sense to me it's like cool sick that's that's actually kind of cool but like the fact that you can just cut these cats and spiders in in half and like you just you you hit a, a stormtrooper with a blade and he just like falls over with like a like a streak of light on him. It's it like, is a little weird. It's a little, it is weird. a little weird. I do like the uh, flagrant use or the the plentiful use of biker scouts in the game, though, which are like always been my favorite type of stormtrooper. 
So that was really cool to see in the very beginning. I don't know how much they are later in the game, but I've always loved those outfits so much. I always wanted like one of the when I was a kid and I was reading like Star Wars Insider as like a kid in the 90s and they had like the shop in the middle of it where you can like buy things. They always had those really expensive suits for like stormtrooper suits and TIE fighter pilot suits. And I always wanted a biker scout suit. And then I realized like, well, I can buy one now. But will will I really? I don't know. I don't know if that's a good idea to do that. Yeah. So we'll save the rest of our Fallen Order chatter for a dedicated spoiler cast for Sacred Symbols Plus so we don't spoil anything for you. I also have to say that I was at my nephew's house, uh, stayed overnight to hang out with them at my sister's, and I played Madden, Madden NFL 20, and it's really good. I just wanted to throw that out there. It's been a few years since I've played Madden. I'm really impressed, actually, with the, the we were playing. It was the Jets and the Bills, my my brother-in-law's from Rochester, New York, and they're huge Bills fans, so his kids are Bills fans. And so we played Bills Jets. And it was really interesting. Like I was listening to the commentator and they were commentating as if we were in the middle of the 2019 season as it's happening right now. So they were talking about like the Jets winning streak and how this guy's doing and stuff. And I'm like, wow, that really is pretty impressive. And it really goes to show what we've been saying in the past that these games need to become their own platforms because they're really upgrading and updating this stuff on the fly, not only rosters and and waiver wire moves and stuff, but the commentation itself it's pretty cool. I mean, that's a lot of production value in there. So I can see why this game remains so popular. I know that this game remains on the periphery for a lot of hardcore gamers that aren't into sports, but I played it and immediately understood what people love about it still. So it was cool to play it. And I won 10 to 7 on a, le- a last second field goal, in case anyone's curious. By the way, Sean Mason wrote into us. We already really talked about this, about the Jedi Fallen Order being janky and broken. He asks if, it, if it's acceptable. It's absolutely unacceptable. And again, I I really want to know more about the behind the scenes nature of this game. Remember that this game was announced really suddenly at E3 in 2018. It didn't seem like they were even prepared to talk about it. And I feel like I I feel like you can tell. And that's, I guess, one of the biggest shames of this game. It seems like Respawn might be being, you know, drawn a little bit thin with all their games and with Apex Legends and stuff. I don't know. I, I think it's a lot. You know what? Honestly, I feel like they were in under threat of probably losing the license early. Like they had to get something out. Like I genuinely think it's like, okay, we need we need something for like, I don't know, Q whatever of, of this year. <laughs> and it needs to be, it needs to be a Star Wars game and it needs to be good. And the second they were like, oh, this looks, uh, looks good enough. You know? Because it is. It is. It is. Like, it, it's a good game. It's just like not finished. Yeah, I agree. It's totally good. And, and it's totally good. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, ah, oh, maybe they'll just be happy just to have a good thing again. All right, fine, fine, fine. Let's put it out. <laughs> yeah, I want to be clear. It's no less than good. And it might be great. I've not seen enough of it yet. But I have to say, I tweeted about it after about an hour. I'm like, this is at the very least, this game is very charming. And, and uh, I really liked I can't remember his name, but the that like weird creature that's with him in the beginning of the game that is like his friend or whatever. Oh, that, the, the pilot? I don't want to talk. Is he a pilot? I don't know. He's like a scrapper. The, the, oh, the, his, oh right, 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 right. Yeah, I, I really liked that character a lot. And we won't talk anymore about that. I don't want to spoil anything. But there's just and, and yeah, the pilot character, too, that you meet is really cool. And the, there's a black woman who plays like this lapsed Jedi. Basically, she's really cool. And the bad guy's cool. Yeah, Deborah, Deborah Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. I knew she looked familiar. Sounded familiar, I should say. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that. 
and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Chris, let's get into the news. All right. And uh, again, as we said at the top, not too much to get into this week, but a few things of interest. Number one, Sony has revealed PlayStation Plus's free games for the month of December. And by the time this show goes live, you'll be able to download them. This month's free game, uh, free big game is Titanfall 2, the 2016 single player. Go ahead. You can say it. There you go. The 2016 single player and multiplayer FPS from EA owned Respawn Entertainment, the team most recently behind the popular Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and the even more popular free to play Battle Royale Apex Legends. The other free game is Monster Energy Supercross, the official video game and older racing title surrounding the 2017 season uh, Supercross season. I had a little typo there. Remember that even if you don't intend on playing these games now, you may want them later. So be sure to go to the PlayStation Store and add them to your library to use later on. Garrett Jaggard wrote into us on Patreon. He says, hey, CNC Podcast Factory. I was very excited to hear about Titanfall 2 being included with December's PS Plus games. It's an excellent game that unfortunately never got a fair chance due to EA's foolishness. Hopefully the game can enjoy a sort of renaissance with the influx of new players. I think Chris especially might really enjoy that. Are you going to try to get back in and play? Because I assume there's going to be a whole new player base that is experiencing the game for the first time. Oh, yeah, definitely. I can't wait to mop, uh, mop, mop people up. Oh, you're going to kill him. <laughs> it's going to be, be so much fun. I love it when I, it's probably really bad from the perspective of a new player, but I love I love going into games when there's like very clearly a bunch of new people going in because it's just like, oh, it's, it's what more can you want than just a bunch of fodder yeah. for your uh, for your Titan? Yeah, I think it's going to be really exciting. I feel like this is a really good move on EA's part to kind of test the waters on if there's an appetite for another Titanfall game, because I know that Respawn had wanted to make Titanfall 3. Apex Legends is obviously in the Titanfall universe, but I don't we, I don't think anyone really counts that. And then they moved on to Star Wars, and I assume now they're going to make another Star Wars game because it's selling quite well. So this might be a way for them to gauge, like, should we scale up and really have what will be essentially be three internal teams at Respawn working on full production? Because there probably are multiple teams that are working in pre-production capacities. So they can probably figure out if people really like what they what they see here. And as Garrett wrote, and as we've talked about ad nauseum on the show, Chris, EA really fucked Titanfall 2 in the way they released it in 2016. And so there's a, there are a ton of people that I think are really going to enjoy it that just never gave it a second look because of Battlefield 1 and the other games that were kind of released in that era, the 2016 fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see what goes what goes on with it. But I really and I know Chris feels even more passionately about it. I, I really liked the Titanfall 2 campaign. And so if you've not played it, this is I mean, 
what's better than free? Just go and play it and check it out for yourself. Yeah. It's a good time to play it too because it's a really short and it's a really short campaign compared to like a lot of games that you're going to play and it's and it's so good. It's a lot of fun. The, and, and and by the way, it's so fun how with the with the some of the movement in tight or in uh, Fallen Order, it just feels like it feels like Titanfall. So yeah, it's kind of like with the wall running and stuff like that. It's kind of neat, even though it's not made with a proprietary engine, even though it's in third person, you can kind of feel that that hallmark. I even love when you die actually in Fallen Order and it says respawn on the screen. Yeah, which is <laughs> really a nice like double it. entendre. Yeah, it's cool. Number two. This is a weird one. The longtime right-hand man of Hideo Kojima, Kenichiro Imazumi, has left his post at the newly reformed Kojima Productions, a somewhat surprising move in the wake of the launch of PS4's unusual console-exclusive, Death Stranding. Website Video Game Chronicle relays word of his exit, noting that a source indicated behind-the-scenes disagreements with studio leadership that could be the cause. The website also notes that Imazumi was nowhere to be seen on the promotional tour surrounding Death Stranding's release, which is strange not only because he produced the game, but because he's usually at Kojima's side in such situations. Neither Sony nor Kojima Productions have commented. Imazumi joined Konami in the mid-90s and actually worked on the Castlevania franchise and other properties before finding himself under Kojima. He produced 2008's Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots, 2010's Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker, 2014's Metal Gear Solid 5, Ground Zeroes, and 2015's Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain, before leaving Konami alongside Kojima and others to create Death Stranding. However, his work on the Metal Gear franchise goes all the way back to Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, which came to PS2 in 2001. This story, Chris, gave me pause because Kojima gets a lot of, I guess, goodwill from people following the split he experienced, the very public and dramatic split he experienced in 2015 from Konami. But with one of his right-hand men leaving his production studio, his producer, I mean, that's a big, that's basically a secondary role to director on a video game, just like yeah. it would be in movies. I kind of wonder if Kojima is the problem. You know, I, I don't necessarily want to assume that, but what do you make of all of this? Uh, I don't know. I feel like this kind of thing happens often. Uh, but also just, I, I feel like in this specific situation, I think Kojima even said he's like, I want to make a movie. So it might just be just him going to make a movie and the other guy being like, ah. Yeah, you don't want. He doesn't want to make a film. <laughs> I don't. I don't really want to make a movie. So I don't know if it's. I don't know if Kojima's the problem. This is to be clear, like a very different situation. Like the Kojima's not like you can't go to an award show, right? Right. You know what I mean? It's a very, uh, and he's not like scrubbing his name off the game or anything, which they actually did, which is for some of the Metal Gear games on PSN or on I think every storefront actually. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think it's Kojima's. That Kojima is the problem. I think it's literally just it's pure conjecture yeah, that yeah. I'm saying that, you know, of course. But it did make it give me it gave me pause because it, on one hand, Konami had problems with other people. Typically, you would hear about Kojima and Konami's problems. But actually, the problems began with Koji Igarashi and the Castlevania franchise. He was the one that I was actually let go first yeah. or that left the studio first and then Kojima left. So I'm not saying Konami is is the easy uh, publisher to work for that. They have nothing to they have no part in this in this strife. But now that they're outside of Konami and they're working with Sony, it's interesting that they're now having internal problems and they've been together for 20 years. So yeah. I'd really be interested to learn more about what that's all about. And you could be right. It could be something as simple as they want to go make a movie. I was reading an interview that Kojima gave with Vulture, where at the very end, he mentioned maybe doing a sequel to Death Stranding, which I think is a bad idea. I don't think you should touch that game anymore. I don't think there's any need for that. But I, maybe they're going to try to have their cake and eat it, too, and do film and do games. And maybe that's going to be really complicated for the for the, the directors at the studio and the producers. So 
it's hard to say, but I was surprised to see that because it seemed like they were aware that this was going to happen even before the game came out as he wasn't available for the the tour, the, the, the media tour and the press tour that he would usually do. So we'll keep an eye on that. Maybe we'll hear more about that out of Japan in the coming months. Number three, a new PlayStation 5 related patent first uncovered by website Respawn First seems to indicate that PS5 will be ratcheting up more social ways of playing games, even if you're not playing an actual multiplayer game. This particular patent filed in mid-November surrounds what we'd refer to as UGC or user generated content. And while the details are quite complex, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office offers the following abstract to try and encapsulate the idea, quote, the present disclosure, and I don't know who writes this shit, by the way, it's like incredible. The present disclosure describes methods and systems directed towards implementing scene tagging. In particular, scene tagging is used to characterize user-generated content associated with gameplay information associated with video games. Exemplary user-generated content include video recordings or screenshots from within the video game that pertain to events that have occurred. Corresponding metadata would then be used to describe substantive aspects about the user-generated content, such as details about where the recording or screenshot was taken, who was included in the user-generated content, and what objects are found in the user-generated content. The associated metadata would allow users to search among various uploaded user-generated content and search within portions of those user-generated contents for particular subsections of interest. Furthermore, the metadata associated with the user-generated content would allow viewers to experience the same events that were recorded, end quote. Well, I don't know exactly what this means, but what this seems to mean to me is that you can take, like if you're fighting uh, Higgs in Death Stranding, you can take a screenshot of that and then tag it as Higgs, Death Stranding, Chapter 5, whatever the case might be, and then people can look for those things. Very similar to YouTube, I would assume. But do you get anything useful out of this? Because other than them saying user-generated content 7,000 times in the paragraph. So, Chris, what do you make of this? I can't quite wrap my mind around what this means other than it's a YouTube-like tagging system where you can kind of find what you're looking for in people's data apart from them just like uploading a video to Twitter or whatever. But what do you make of this patent? Uh, yeah, I don't really. I, I, I kind of hate it. I kind of hate whatever whatever the hell this is. I don't even know what this is, but I feel negative emotions towards it. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, it seems to me like it's a it's a weird. Uh, I don't know like why. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm totally wrong. The audience can let us know. But I feel like if you want to like upload your own media, whether it's like to Twitter or Facebook, or whatever, you're just gonna do that. Is anyone really like asking for a searchable system to look at like endless amounts of screenshots and videos that you took on PlayStation? I just don't understand what the point is. Yeah, it, it's it seems like it's kind of just a self-indulgent thing more than anything. Like, I don't think anybody's asking for this. I think Sony just kind of, kind of was like, hey, people want this, right? They're just assuming that people want to like spend time on PlayStation Network while like scrolling through photos on their TV. Like, ah. Yeah, they got to do better with PSN. I mean, we've talked about this a lot. PSN needs to turn into a much more functional ecosystem, very similar to Steam, before they do anything this this big. I, I don't really understand the point until you have a more usable system. Now, we haven't seen PSN on PS5, and maybe it's going to be really fucking awesome. Now it'd be cool, and this could be a part of that. But it's also important to note that patents are not always used, and I would argue that patents are typically not used. So this could just be something that they submitted that they have no intention of actually 
messing around with. Yeah, but that's fair. Uh, none, yeah, nonetheless, we will uh, keep an eye on it and let you know if there are any more developments. Number four, the British publisher slash developer Codemasters has acquired another studio to bring into its fledgling family of teams. The company has announced its acquisition of Slightly Mad Studios, the London-based team best known for its Project Cars franchise, which began in 2015. A sequel to Project Cars, aptly named Project Cars 2, launched in September of 2017. Both games were published by a Japanese publisher, Bandai Namco. The acquisition isn't a huge surprise, since Codemasters has pivoted almost entirely to developing, publishing, and otherwise shepherding racing games over the last decade. Indeed, with the exception of 2015's internally developed and poorly received action RPG Overlord Fellowship of Evil, you need to go all the way back to 2011 to find a game Codemasters published that wasn't a racing game. That year, the publisher launched FPS Body Count and tactical shooter Operation Flashpoint Red River. I think Operation Flashpoint was made by Chaos, but I could be wrong about that. Since then... Codemasters, founded way back in the mid-80s, has released more than two dozen racing titles, including a game from what was in essence the remnants of ex-PlayStation-owned studio Evolution. While not officially announced, Slightly Mad appears to be working on Project Cars 3, which will presumably be published by Codemasters, though no further details were given. This isn't a huge surprise. I'm not a racing fan, uh, but it's really cool that we have a publisher that is consolidating it's it's hold of the publishing or of the uh, racing publishing scene outside of the first parties with Forza and Gran Turismo. Yeah. So this isn't a huge surprise, but I was looking up that Overlord Fellowship of Evil game, which I'd never even heard of. It has like a 29 on Metacritic. Damn. So holy, holy moly, that game must have been bad. Is that in the same? Because I remember playing an Overlord game on like Xbox 360. That was actually kind of good. I was reading about it and they said that it was not up to up to snuff with whatever previous Overlord game had come out. So my assumption is, yes, they are of the same thing, but I'm not familiar with it that's at a, all. That's a shame. So, yeah, Slightly Mad's now in the Codemaster family. Congratulations to them. I'm sure that a few people there made quite a nice bag of cash through the deal. And Evolution doesn't really exist anymore. They were called Codemasters Evo when they made that game called Onrush that people might remember from 2017. They were kind of dispersed amongst Codemasters after that. So we'll see actually if Slightly Mad even remains together after their first game comes out. Yeah. But nonetheless, a nice acquisition for Codemasters, who I've never dealt with in my entire life. So I don't know anyone there. <laughs> I don't think I've ever once dealt with a Codemasters game. Yeah, me neither. When I was uh, in or at IGN. Number five. Battleborn, the Gearbox software-developed hero shooter released on PS4 and elsewhere in May of 2016, is officially going away, though Publisher 2K seems to be giving the game's small fan base lots of notice before they officially remove the game from storefronts and kill its online functionality. On its official website, 2K notes that in-game virtual currency will only be purchasable until February 24th of 2020. The servers for the game, on the other hand, will remain live until sometime in January of 2021. The blog post plainly states, quote, once servers are deactivated, Battleborn will no longer be playable, end quote. In a brief FAQ that follows, the publisher reiterates, quote, once the servers are offline in January 2021, Battleborn won't be playable in any way, end quote. When Battleborn launched, it immediately ran into problems and predictably never took off. While it was a paid game when it came out in 2016, it effectively went free-to-play by 2017. A similar move 2K took with its Turtle Rock-developed asymmetric multiplayer game Evolve, which shut down completely in 2018. Trent Sinning wrote into us and said, what's up, guys? With the news about the Battleborn servers shutting down soon, I only have one question. How on earth did this game manage to survive as long as it did? It seemed like the game was dead before it even came out, and the player base that was there on release just left shortly after. 
I'm not surprised that the servers are shutting down, but surprised about how long it took. Chris, did you ever play this uh, Battleborn game? No, never. Not I, I never laid a finger on it. It didn't look very good yeah, when, I, it, when it, it was announced. There was nothing about it that looked... I remember seeing Battleborn and thinking like, oh, why is... Why? Also, why is this not Borderlands? That's exactly right. I think that's that's what everybody thought, I feel like. And they were like, ah, all right, well, it's a hero shooter. We already got like a lot of that right now. It was a similar thing with Lawbreakers when that was a thing. Yeah, that brief era in time when uh, Cliffy B, uh, Boss Key Studios out of North Carolina made that game. And they also made that other, what was that other game? Radical um, Heights. Radical Heights, right. And yeah, so uh, Battleborn, I remember when Battleborn was announced, I, I don't think I, it was like a real Colin was right moment, but I'm like, this game doesn't have a prayer. And it didn't have a prayer and it didn't do very well. But to your point, I think a lot of people were frustrated with Gearbox at this era and during this era because it seemed like they were wasting time doing these other things. And I don't blame them. They can do whatever they want. But it, like Borderlands 3 ended up being really great. It's one of my favorite games of the year. And, you know, in my opinion, and I feel like we we could have just gotten it a lot sooner if they just didn't take these little deviated paths that they decided to take. Also, with not only this, but with Alien Colonial Marines, this came out that came out a, a year or two before this, and that was awful. So it was it was we were questioning whether Gearbox had it still, and I think with Borderlands Three we realized that they do indeed have it. But uh, yeah, nonetheless, Battleborn, goodbye, Battleborn. I th- I think it's really cool that they gave everyone a year or so to yeah. figure it out. So to Trent's point, uh, I don't know how the game lasted so long. I assume that it was very cheap to keep. And with their virtual currency, I think it's called Platinum or something. I don't know what it's called. They might have been making a nice amount of money from whales that are still playing it. I mean, I I assume if no one was playing the game that they would have shut it down. So a small fan base can keep a game alive for a long time. And if they're making more money than they're than they're putting out in terms of the people that are on keeping this game alive and patching it or whatever the case might be, then the game stays alive. But 2K is obviously identifying this game as one that will not be making the transfer essentially to next gen, which is interesting. So uh, goodbye, Battleborn. And another game that will be cannibalized by its online only functionality. I thought it did have a single player. No, no, I guess it didn't. No. I guess it couldn't have. Yeah. Well, goodbye, Battleborn. We barely knew you. Yeah, I didn't at all. Miller. Chris didn't know you even a little bit. Uh, finally, number six is a wrap up where we're not a lot of news. Yeah, this week. I mean, it's December. This is this is the month where nothing happens. Indeed. Website Komatsu reports that the eagerly anticipated expanded Persona 5 re-release, Persona 5 Royal or the Royal, depending on where you are in the world, has appeared on the Hong Kong, Taiwan and Indonesia PlayStation stores with a release date of February 20th, 2020. This hasn't yet been confirmed by publisher slash developer Atlas at the time we're recording, but it should be by the time you hear this. Uh, they are promising announcements the day this podcast goes live, actually. The website also reports that roguelike dungeon crawler. Str- what is this? Stramium? Immortality. Yeah, Stramium. Yeah. Immortality. Immortally. Oh, that's a terrible name. It's coming to PS4 on December 17th. And finally, Push Square reports that the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe Edition has been delayed on PS4 and will now come out sometime later in 2020. The original Stanley Parable developed by Galactic Cafe is a story-driven adventure game that originally came to PC in 2013 and has never seen a console release. So people will have to wait. That game is so good. Yeah, it's supposed to be great. I've never played it. And I was actually surprised that it was... I I looked it up before we started because I was like, certainly this game came to console already, but it actually hasn't. So we'll have to wait until 2020, later in 2020, if you guys are looking forward 
uh, to playing that game. And finally, Chris, let's get it. Well, not finally. Next. Let's say next. We get into the new game releases. But before we do, Zach Wishnuff wrote into us and said, Seamen, do you think that's I don't like that. Do you think that <laughs> the inclusion of more sponsorships and ads and games could help keep prices or game prices at $60. I've always found that generic food, drink, and stores and media hinder the immersion. I think that using real-life companies and games is beneficial for everyone. The devs get money, and the game is more realistic. Keep making Tuesdays great. I don't know, man. I really found the whole monster energy drink thing in Metal... Or not Metal Gear, in Death Stranding to be really annoying and strange. I know that these things appear much more in film and TV. I mean, you see it everywhere. It's, It's very obvious, but... I don't know. Like, I'm always wondering, like, how much money do you get for this? Is it like really worth the I understand what he's saying. It makes it feel real life and stuff like that. But I found it really distracting. Like, Why would there be monster energy drink in a post-apocalyptic America that's like dying? Yeah, it's 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 distracting specifically in Death Stranding, especially because you use it as a canteen where you would assume water would be. I, I could see that I, I'm of two minds about it. I think it's distracting in Death Stranding where there's like an ad for Norman Re- ride with Norman Reedus. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's even a, a line of dialogue where, where uh, Sam Porter bridges is driving around on the tricycle. And he's like, this bike is sick. It should be on <laughs> ride with Norman Reedus. Oh my God. I didn't even notice that. That's horrible. I, th- I thought it was funny the way that the way it was done, but like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think, um, I think in some games it makes sense. I always thought it was distracting in Grand Theft Auto or like games like it. Although Grand Theft Auto a little less so because the whole point is to satirize real shit. But I, I always remember like playing Spider-Man games and like being in Times Square and seeing all these ads for like just complete bullshit. And I'm like, I could see them putting like real ads in like fictional Times Squares and it being totally, totally fine by me. Yeah, I guess if it makes sense and it serves the game. And I agree to Prozac's point is it going to help keep game prices at $60 I don't think so it's just going to help publishers and developers make more money and I, I'd really be curious we probably have this information about films out there that use like Pepsi or Coke or whatever and their stuff like how much do you get paid for this that's what I'm always curious about like how much are you making for this this Norman Reedus ad or for this monster energy drink inclusion and Sophia my writer on SideQuest did make the good point that you know it's not the first time that that Kojima has used real life products in his games, of course, and that's true. But uh, I would avoid that stuff unless my game, like you were saying, Spider-Man takes place. It's supposed to take place in the real world. So it makes sense to be in a real time square with real ads or whatever. But I find it distracting. The only games that I think are served by it are sports games, because like I think of FIFA, if you look at like the back of the of the pitch where the camera's facing, there's always ads back there. And so not having those ads would actually be peculiar or in a hockey game where they're all along the boards in the game, that makes more sense. It's actually stranger to just see white boards in a hockey game. So that serves the game. But I don't know. I, I, I don't, I'm i so sick of people advertising to me all the time. It's just annoying. Like, hey, just, just leave me the fuck alone. It's capitalism, know? man. It is. Uh, but not even... Ca- I know this is strange for me to say, but not even capitalism is perfect. And uh, it's about as perfect as you can get for an economic system. But it's it's got its problems. And I think that... That's one of them. I, I remember going to a movie. This is so funny. I remember. I don't remember what movie it was. I think it might have been Arrival or something like that. There was a person I went to see in San Francisco and there was a person ahead of me that was buying his ticket. And he was like, when does the movie actually start? And they were like, oh, well, the movie starts at this time. And he's like, I don't want to be advertised to or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude, get a grip. 
Yeah, no, it, it, the movie movies don't start until like 20, 25 minutes after you get after the t- start time. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You got the dancing popcorn. You got the coke that's that's you know going up and down the staircase with his little staff doing a little jazz yeah, dance. Yeah, yeah, the fucking let's all go to the lobby song. And yeah, I get it. It's it's fun. And not to mention the the stuff beforehand where they're always advertising a television show or an upcoming movie outside of the trailers. I, I got to look into how much these guys are making. Maybe this is the only reason movie theaters even exist anymore. Maybe they wouldn't even be able to survive yeah, without, without this ads. influx of cash. Yeah, <laughs> Pro- I don't know, probably but. literally. I mean, I don't go to the movies at all anymore. So I love those three second uh, clips of the of the lady who's like, you're watching a movie and then it fades away. <laughs> those are always so fascinating. Like, why yeah. would you make that? I, I always just think what I love about movie. I always get a lot of agita when I go to movies, like typically because I, I get you have to get a seat and I don't like being around a lot of people and stuff. But I do like the assigned seat theaters like Arclight and. Alamo Drafthouse and stuff. I especially like Alamo Drafthouse because they like serve you food and drinks oh, yeah. and stuff. I think it's awesome. That's awesome. I ha- I hate assigned seats though. Oh, you don't like that? No, no, no. Because then it, I don't know. Like I usually go to the movies with people, and then it's like, oh hey, you want to go to the movie Friday? It's like, oh, okay, sure. When are you getting your tickets? You you want me to give you the money for the tickets? It's like ah okay, because you got to get them all at once. That's a good point. Actually, you have to kind of align your plans a little bit yeah, more it's like, ahead it's of time. Frustrating. I prefer to just get yeah. there and like uh, you know fight over a seat to the death. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. When I saw Independence Day 2 at Alamo Drafthouse, I spent like a hun- more than $100, I think, on food and drink because it was so bad. Uh, yeah, I just kept, was, or- I just kept ordering a, yeah. drinks and nachos <laughs> that, and shit. That was such a bad movie. Oh, it was horrible. It was one of the I think that was one of the worst movies I have ever seen. Yeah. Like straight up one of the and it was so disappointing. I love the original Independence Day. So what a fucking disgrace that was. Horrible. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. All right, Chris, as uh, tradition dictates, you will go first and we will read the new games coming to PSN. A nice, robust list compared to weeks past. We got a decent amount. Ancestors, the humankind odyssey comes to PS4. Explore Africa 10 10, uh, 10 million years ago. Fuck that up a little bit. As you expand your clan and evolve to the next generation in Ancestors, the humankind odyssey. A new third-person open-world survival game from the creator of Assassin's Creed. Okay, what? Yeah, I don't know what that is. It always that I don't know why this came to mind, but that old um, I think it's uh, the player haters ball from Chappelle show, where he's like, <laughs> he's like, click your heels three times, go back to Africa. <laughs> That's so stupid. Can can we please stop saying the name of the game in the write-up? For the love of God. I got to remember not to do that when we write ours, or maybe I should do it to just annoy everyone do it and put, like, a bunch of, put a bunch of spelling errors in it. Arise, a simple story comes to PS4. 
Set out on an emotional journey through the bittersweet lives of two people where memories come alive and time bends to your will. Lose yourself in moments of happiness and overcome every hardship as you relive your life's story. A story of joy and sorrow. A simple story. <laughs> uh, All right. All right. Big Pharma comes to PS4. Big Pharma is part business sim, part logistics puzzle. It's one thing to work in the lab perfecting new formulas, but converting them to, uh, but converting the sciency stuff into cold hard cash means bringing an engineering and business mind into the problem. Uh, factory space is expensive, and those fancy new uh, ag ag what agglomerators? I guess that's not a real agglomerators word. Agglomerators and it? centrifuges don't might be. don't always slot nicely together. I guess that's centrifuges gotta, are real. That's gotta yeah yeah. The centrifuges are real, so that other thing's gotta be real too. I've never heard that word in my life. Yeah, me neither. No, I've never. That game looks really cool, though. I got to say that. I, I think that game sounds that that's another game where that's uh, it's unlike anything else. Yeah, that's on the market as far as I know. So I like I like the premise. Yeah, it sounds neat. I like the name, too. Blair Witch comes to PS4 inspired by the cinematic lore of Blair Witch experience, a new story driven psychological horror game that studies your reactions to fear and stress. With just your loyal dog Bullet by your side, navigate your way through a cursed forest that warps and distorts both time and space. Stand against the horrors of the Blair Witch and the decaying sanity of a man burdened by his past. Uh, Chris, you said a week or two ago that you had played this game a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not bad. It's definitely more of an indie game, so it's a bit jank, but it's it does some really cool things. It reminds me a lot of uh, Fatal Frame. Have cool. you ever played like uh, the Fatal Frame games? There's a lot of emphasis on cameras and like you know, rewinding and it's, it's really cool. Like I, I would recommend at least if you got nothing else to play, I guess, which chances are you probably have a ton to play, but it's not a bad, uh, it's not terrible at all. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. I think it, uh, that strikes me as a game that's going to go down in price really quickly. So I'll just wait and yeah. then I'll buy it later. Yeah. Classic snake adventures comes to PS4, Ooh. a 4k reboot of the classic retro game snake introduced in 1997. Remade with gorgeous hand-drawn 2D art and a 3D snake which can bend and change size and speed during gameplay. A state-of-the-art game with the retro beloved gameplay of Snake 97. Who could forget Who could Snake forget 97? Snake. Cuisine Royale comes to PS4. Cuisine Royale, or no, it's Royale, I'm sorry. Cuisine Royale comes to PS4. Cuisine Royale is a brutal multiplayer last man standing shooter with realistic weaponry, mystic traps, and demonic rituals. Draw bloody mystic seals or conduct ancient rituals to heal allies, slow down enemies, set numerous traps, summon zombies, and more. Why is it called Cuisine Royale? It's a weird... Yeah. Does it take place in a kitchen or something? I don't know. It sounds like a, just like a complete mistranslation. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all right. Uh, Earth Knight comes to PS4. Earth Knight is an illustrated, procedurally generated platformer that takes place in a dystopian future just after the dragon apocalypse. Sydney and Stanley have had enough. They've decided to skydive back down to the planet, taking out as many dragons as they can. Jump and dash your way across the backs of dragons onto your uh, on your way down to earth in a classic uh, 2d side scrolling action in classic 2d sounds i don't know but I, I feel like i've heard of this game but maybe i haven't fight and rage comes to ps4 this game's supposed to be pretty good actually set in a far future where humans are enslaved by mutants fight and rage is a side scroller beat em up inspired by the classics from the 90s arcade gems in a world where the law of the jungle prevails two humans and a mutant rebel are willing to fight in order to stop this madness I'm going to check that out. Apparently, it's made by a, a, someone wrote into us. I think it's made by one person. So very similar to 
uh, Axiom Verge and oh, a cool. few of these other games. Yeah. Oh, my God. Here we go. Hatsune Miku uh, VR comes to PSVR. <laughs> World famous virtual singer Hatsune Miku invites you to her VR music game. Aim for the perfect score as she sings and dances to some of her most iconic songs. Choose a song and catch the melody symbols as they fly from the speakers. You can also turn the symbols off and just enjoy watching Miku sing and dance. Ooh, a little pervy if you wanted to get that, if you wanted to be that way. Yeah, a little bit. I never never played one of these Hatsune Miku games before, and uh, I can't say that I ever will. To be perfectly (laughs) honest with you. (laughs) <laughs> I thought that was going to be the exact opposite. I, I was like, you know what? Uh, I might dust off the PSVR for this. If there's if this segment of our show every week tells us anything, it's that I don't have time for fucking nonsense because there's just too many games. There's just way too many games. Yeah. Just come and go. They just come and go. I don't know what I'm supposed to do about it. Hero Land comes to PS4. You're invited to a magical theme park where anyone can be a hero except for you. <laughs> <laughs> you just work there conjured from your 16-bit dreams by the legends of japanese rpgs this whimsical tale of princes of princes and part-timers guarantees excitement that cannot be forgotten i'll be the judge of that <laughs> it's not a bad write-up no immortal planet comes to ps4 immortal planet is an action rpg with challenging combat that rewards patience and punishes recklessness explore the crumbling remains of a society what? Of a society of immortals trapped in endless cycles of rebirth. Oh, God help. I hope I hope that's not I hope that's not real. Uh, <laughs> fight your way. <laughs> fight your way to discover this planet's mystery and escape its curse. Biologically immortal, just like we were talking about the uh, the strange jellyfish. Yeah. A week or two ago. That is uh, so cursed. It sounds horrible. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the most scary or the scariest Black Mirror episode to me is still the White Christmas one. Oh, that's a where, great one where they're trapped in where they can trap people and like make time slow down in their computers and stuff like that. It's like, oh, my God, it made it made me so tense. That watching is it. that might be my favorite episode of that show. Honestly, it's great. That's definitely one of the best ones. It's up there. My favorite is Metalhead. I love Metalhead. That's, that's a great one. Horrifying. Just absolutely horrifying, especially because Boston Dynamics just made a robot dog that looks just like Metalhead. So that's nice. <laughs> oh, cool. I can't I can't if you look at the pictures of that new Boston Dynamics dog, I cannot imagine that that's not intentional. Like they look just like it. It's like, holy Jesus Christ. Terror, terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Jigsaw Solace comes to PS4. Jigsaw puzzle. It's this is what it says. Jigsaw puzzle game for the whole family. Welcome to Jigsaw Solace, a calming and relaxing puzzle experience with six different themes to choose from. Four different difficulty (laughs) size to adjust any time while playing and 30 high quality puzzle images. My God, don't you have any editors? Uh, uh, Saga Scarlet Grace Ambitions comes to PS4. With the fate of the world uncertain, follow the journey of... Er, er, you, I hate uh, you names. Erpina? Erpina? Erpina, Taria, uh, Balmont, and Leonard. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch uh, as they call on their might and set out to carve a new future take charge and shape your own adventure with ultimate freedom of choice sick sick square Enix game i don't know if it's going to be any good though it's a saga game so we'll see they're trying to make that a thing again simulc simulacra Sim- no right. uh, simu simu simulacra ah there you go simulacra i can never say that word because it's sim. Some, the real word is not that it's something else right 
Yeah, I don't know. Simulacra is an interactive FMB, FMV horror game about exploring a missing woman's phone from the creators of Sarah is missing. Recover lost files, piece back corrupted data and retrace her final steps. Find her before it's too late. That actually sounds pretty neat. Would be great on Vita, though we'll never get it there. Yeah, it's a shame. Ski Jumping Pro VR comes to PSVR. Ski Jumping Pro VR, Christ, uh, delivers the sheer thrills of hurtling down a mountain. <laughs> hurtling down a snow-packed <laughs> ski ramp like no other game. Enjoy the sensation of inc- incomparable height and speed. I always want to say incomparable. Yeah, me too. Even though that's just not how it is. The ultra-realistic VR experience and full single-player career mode make Ski Jumping Pro the ultimate winter sports simulation. I have never been skiing. Uh, but- I've been snowboarding. I refuse to ski because it just feels unsafer, even though I know everybody tells me it's not. I, I would love to do it. I just have never done it before. I don't know. It's just never. Co- I'm 35. So God knows I'll probably never do it at this point. I'll probably break my fucking face uh, <laughs> trying to ski down the bunny slopes or whatever they call them. Maybe you can uh, you'll uh, hit a tree and your face will fall off and then another kid will slip on your face down a mountain. <laughs> uh, it's so scary. I don't know. I don't want to do it. It's terrifying. The mountains. The mountains are almost as scary as the oceans. Yeah. Space Blaze comes to PS4. Space Blaze taps into that old school sideways scrolling shoot 'em up by leading you through seven challenging levels filled with action. There are three different weapon systems with a single mega weapon for each. And don't forget the classic 80s game feature, a giant boss to shoot it out with an end at the end of each level. Terrible write up. Thank you for that. <laughs> Stardust Odyssey uh, comes to PSVR. The evil of the abyss is back and it is up to you to stop the threat. Steer alone or with a friend through 14 colorful levels filled with treasures and secrets. Explore the forgotten lands of Stardust Odyssey and thwart the traps set by the Guardians using powerful spells. Combine their effects to overcome gigantic bosses with fearsome capabilities. All right. Star Ocean First Departure R comes to PS4. Space Date 346. Our tale begins on the primitive planet of Roak, where Roddick lives in, in a peaceful and uneventful town of Kratos. A member of the village's local defense force learns of a, of a mysterious disease in the neighboring town. Those infected turn to stone, but continue to live on in a petrified state. Thus, the story of Star Ocean begins. So I think Star Ocean First Departure, I could be wrong about this, was a PSP game that was a remake of the SNES original game. Now this is a re-release of the PS4 version. I don't know, but whatever. I, I used to like Star Ocean, but I heard that it kind of fell off a cliff a little bit. But yeah. it's a JRPG if you enjoy. Yeah, it's a damn shame. Tools Up comes to PS4. Tools Up is an exciting party co-op. What? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Tools Up is an exciting party co-op letting you test your renovation and teamwork skills. All right. Paint walls, tear off wallpaper, and move couches against the clock. Home renovation has never been so much fun. So I think co-op is in like a building. Yeah. That was really off-putting. For like a second. Yeah, it didn't really. Yeah, it didn't really make any sense. Now, PlayStation's actually promoting this game a little bit. They tweeted out a trailer for it, and apparently, it's supposed to kind of be like um, Overcooked. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know that for sure. And I really like Overcooked, so maybe it's good. I don't know. I like the name though. Reminds me of Tim the Toolman Taylor. It does a little bit. I was watching a little bit of Home Improvement the other day on TV. N- now, my mom and stepdad they watch television, so that's like a whole new startling thing for me. Like they sit there and watch TV. Yeah, it's weird. Instead of like it? watching it. Yeah, it's totally weird. And uh, we were watching Home Improvement, and that show is still really funny. I really love that show a lot. Really, really. Oh, good. man. I always I always loathed it. Oh, really? I think Tim Allen is, like, super funny. Like, a super funny guy. <laughs> I can't. I can't get over him. 
what I was talking about with him, which I think is an interesting point, is that usually when a person makes a show, like think about Jerry Seinfeld or like, a, you know, uh, Bob Newhart or whatever, they're like the star of the show and they're like cool. They're like the cool person or the person that's in on everything. And what I liked about Home Improvement is that Tim Allen made it, but he's like the shithead or the idiot. And I yeah. feel like that he didn't have to do that. It's what made the show fun. But I, I felt like it showed a little bit of a self-deprecating nature to Tim Allen. Of course, Tim Allen also almost went to prison for life for uh, smuggling cocaine in the 80s. You guys can go read about that. If you want. <laughs> yeah, that is true. But also Seinfeld is, a, is about a group of people who are objectively terrible. That's true. That's a so. good point. But he's always like the smarmy, the swarmy one, you know, like, yeah, that's uh, true. in that, which is what makes it funny. Tracks comes to PS4. Build fast, fun and challenging tracks with the track builder and mix it up with your own track designs. Choose pieces of track and assemble new and exciting circuits or pick one from the 12 included pre-built world race tracks. Play against your friends or play against the computer. Choose from four classic cars, then customize your ride. Say track one more time. Just do it. I fucking dare you. <laughs> I, did. I fucking dare <laughs> Where the water tastes like wine comes to PS4. Where the Water Tastes Like Wine is a narrative adventure game about traveling, sharing stories, and surviving manifest destiny. Featuring gorgeous hand-drawn illustrations, Where the Water Tastes Like Wine combines 2D visuals with a 3D overworld US map. Surviving manifest destiny? What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. But they also they also said the name three times, so. I know, they, they certainly did. Manifest Destiny is the idea that the United States has the God-given right to go all the way west. Is it about Indians? Maybe it's about Indians. I don't know. That would be kind of cool if it was. Winter Sports Games comes to PS4. Win tournaments and master challenges in six tense disciplines. Play by yourself or with up to four players at your home. No runny nose after every competition. Whether you enjoy skiing, barreling down an ice track in a bobsleigh or sled, or calmly sliding the stones across the ice and curling. I love curling. You can have it all here. Curling fucking rules. What a great game. Love it. <laughs> Wizards of Brandel comes to PS4 and PS Vita. Look at that. Uh, you wake up and notice that your house is gone. Retrieve, <laughs> retrieve your life back through a new adventure in a fantasy RPG. The young wizard Darius loses his house after he after he fails to make a loan payment and ends up living for free in the house of a wanted sorcerer. I oh love that. Oh my god, that's awesome. What, he fails to make a loan repayment. <laughs> it's the 2008 recession, the video game on Sick. PlayStation Vita. In like a fantasy universe. <laughs> Now, Chris, uh, we usually end with six questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas, but I've actually put 10 in here because we didn't have a lot of news. Whoa. So I figured that I would change it up a little bit. This is not what tradition typically dictates, but sometimes we have to snap tradition's neck. Oh, yeah, it's a little violent. All right. Cole Hink wrote into us, said, hey, CNC, I've been waiting a while to write in because of school, but my comment is very necessary to all gamers. I'll be the judge of that, Cole, and Chris will be the judge of that. All right. Game sharing is changing from how it used to be. I used to get PS1 and PS2 games through trades with my friends. If things go digital, that's not going away. It requires trust and great friendship. But my best friends and I exchange account information to play games they have on their accounts. We have a friend struggling financially, and we let him play games on all our accounts. If you're a trophy hunter like me, 149 Platinum is no big drama. Oh, shut up, Cole. Then we just communicate what games they can play before they start them. They are allowed to play on my account anytime I'm at school or work, so it doesn't interfere with my game time. I'm curious if you see this as game sharing or if it's a temporary solution to games becoming digital. Thanks for keeping me sane this semester. That's very complicated. What do you think of Cole's uh, solution with his friends? This uh, stresses me out. Just the thought of this. 
just the thought of organizing any of this. Like, this is why I uh, I form no relationships with anyone. Right. Uh, to avoid things uh, like this. Uh, I feel like, Cole, first of all, Cole, I don't know if this is true or not. No one, I'm not going to tell on you, so you don't have to worry about me. But I feel like if you do that enough, they're going to become privy to this and they might ban you uh, from PSN. I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if they actually do that, but I feel like that might be a possibility. You might want to be a little safer with that. Yeah. Because basically the way the rules work on PS4, PS3 used to be much more flexible. But on PS4, you only are allowed to be on one console as your primary console. Anyone that uses that console can play your game. So if Chris is logged into my console, he can play anything I've downloaded as long as it's uh, as long as he's logged in as him and that it's my primary console. If you guys are trading accounts like this, I imagine it's quite complicated. And I would I, I don't know. You'd have to Google about it. But that's what came to mind when I wrote this when I put this down, Chris, rather, it was. Is Sony like paying attention to this stuff? See, that's why I would be paranoid in doing it. Yeah. Is you have 149 Platinums. You wanted to swing that big dick around, didn't you, Cole? You wanted to tell us he had 149 Platinum trophies. <laughs> yeah, that's, the, that's, the only thing, that's the only thing that Colin has taken away from this. <laughs> He's so focused. But if you, what if you lost your account because you were... Tra- now, I like that you're taking care of your friend that's fa- financially struggling. And I think that's really nice. Uh, that's really sweet. And I was talking recently about how I should buy more Blu-ray games so I can share them with my nephews who are poor because they their kids and they don't have jobs so uh i don't know i mean I, it's a different era now it's a different era you got to be careful with what you're doing out there but i appreciate that you guys are at least trying let me know uh how that works out for you uh and i hope your financially struggling friend by the way uh finds his way through this world witty waltman comes in again i will be the judge of that he says non-alliteration colin and chris you ever put down a game only to give it a second chance and really enjoy it later on My example would be The Witcher 3. It was my first entry in the series, and I was a bit intimidated at first. I revisited it a month or so after release and fell in love. Thanks for the great podcasts. Chris, do you have any games like that where you played it, you didn't like it, and then you went back and enjoyed it? Oh, yeah. Uh, I think mm, probably... I think Metal Gear Solid 1 was one for me. Because like when I played it for the first time, I was like super young, and I was like, this this plays like shit. I didn't I just didn't want to touch it ever. Right. Because I was just was like, ah, Crash plays like everything about Crash and Spyro and everything else that I was playing at the time was just so much more straightforward and digestible. So I was like, ah, I don't know if I like this Metal Gear stuff, but I, I think I played it, I think, five years later when I had a lot of downtime. And I was like, oh, this is this is cool. And it's, it's sometimes that's why I feel weird about like whenever there's a game that I can tell is good that I just can't. I just can't. I just know that I'm not in the right headspace or time to like it. Right. The Witcher right. 3 is, is going to be that game for me for the next, like, forever, probably. I don't think I'm ever going to like The Witcher 3, even though I know that it's a good game. Yeah, because, I mean, I can I can accept that. They're like, like what's an example? Like, I, I can ex- like Starcraft or something like that or yeah. World of Warcraft. Like, I'm ne- I don't like MMOs. I'm never going to play World of Warcraft. I'm not a huge nerd, but I understand that people like the game. And I, I understand that it's probably got an objectively fine quality to it, but I'm never going to play it. Um, the example of a game, uh, Bloodborne is a really good example of this. When Bloodborne came out in early 2015, I played it. I'm not a Dark Souls fan at all. I wasn't a Demon Souls fan. So I played Bloodborne and I didn't really care for it that much. And I'm like, all right, well. It's fine. And then I went back and played it again more recently in in like September and October of 2017. I almost got to the end. I didn't beat it, but I spent like 50 or more hours with it and I finally got it and I I went back and I really enjoyed it. So uh, that's a really good example for me of a game that I recently put down and then picked back up and enjoyed and got. And I think everyone has games like that. And I think it's important to kind of remain open to those kinds of experiences and not write things off just because uh, 
you didn't like it the first time. Maybe you'll like it again when you're in a better headspace or whatever the case might be. Lee Bull wrote in and said, good days, C squared with the generally positive critical reception of Death Stranding. It's game of the year nominations and probably strong sales. How likely does the purchase of Kojima Productions by Sony now seem? I don't know, Lee. Chris might have a different uh, different uh, take on this rather, but. For me, I look at it and I feel like neither party might not be all that interested. I don't know that Death Stranding is selling as well as people think. We we mentioned last week that Days Gone was selling better than Death Stranding, which is surprising. So now I think Days Gone is a better game than Death Stranding. Personally, I know that a lot of people are not going to agree with that, but I don't know that the game is like selling gangbusters. We'll see. And as we said last week, Sony likes to to brag about its sales, just like everyone does. And if, yeah. if you don't hear them, if you didn't see anything from them being like, that Stranding sold five million copies in its first three days or something. They did that with Horizon. They did that with God of War. They did that with Days Gone. They do that with Uncharted. The Spider-Man. last of us, they, Spider-Man, of course, Death Stranding, they didn't do that with. So I don't know that the game's selling as well as people might think. I'm sure it's going to be a strong seller and I'm yeah. sure that it's going to make a profit. But I don't know that it's going to be like this massive mega hit for them. And it seems like, as Chris mentioned earlier, Kojima Productions seems to want to do other stuff. So I don't know that Sony would be interested in buying a studio that's not focused entirely on games. So I don't know what the interest is here. I think Sony will continue to buy studios. I think Kojima Productions is a possibility. I think that would be a big win. And it would be actually really interesting if they did it, Chris. And they were like, well, we have because they have that PlayStation Pictures arm now that are going to work on ip like playstation driven ip for movies so they might be able to have a first party studio that's like the first of its kind yeah where it makes games and it makes movies and that would be kind of interesting but i, I just don't know what that relationship is or if that's even inter- you know any parties interested in that yeah i would echo pretty much everything that you said honestly that was exactly what i was gonna say do you think lee bull is his real name i hope it is uh no way no way in hell no oh, okay kevin wrote in and said hi glasses moriarty and chiseled jawline chris my question is your opinion on choice-based games after having played The Outer Worlds. Um, all right. This is where we need punctuation. Okay. This is where we need punctuation. Yeah. Because he says, my question is your opinion on choice-based games after having played The Outer Worlds. But there's uh, there's no period anywhere. There's actually no period anywhere for a little while here. But I think what you mean is, my question is your opinion on choice-based games. After having played The Outer Worlds, I am wondering what games you like to see use the choice system. I personally think a Halo game using the system would be cool. If they choose to retire Chief, what, what, Ke- Kevin? What is going on with this question? <laughs> if they choose to retire, retire the Chief, because then there's a period, and then he just says if they choose to retire Chief. Period. Yeah. Oh Jesus Christ! Thanks for always being depressed and alarmingly suicidal from a fan in the Netherlands. All right, so you're you're Dutch. You guys are weird. You don't know how to speak English as a first language. I understand that. All right, I, I feel a little bit better about everything now. Uh, you you freaky deaky Dutch people. Now, I don't know. See, this goes back to Uncharted 4 with me when they had those like weird choices in the game that really didn't affect the gameplay at all. It was just kind of this weird thing that seemed shoehorned into the game because that's what everyone's doing. Yeah. I don't want agency in games, choices in games that don't need them. The Outer Worlds wouldn't work if they didn't have it, just like Fallout and other games, Mass Effect. But I don't want you could speak to Halo. Does Halo need to have choices? No, I, no, 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 <laughs> not not like a dialogue system. Give me like multiple ways to approach an encounter, but don't like now. I, I don't need uh, like some arbitrary kind of like this is what this choice means for the rest of the game. And it's like, I, I don't want this. No, there's a, there's a time and a place for that and, and a genre for that. Honestly, right, right. 
No, I totally agree. Choices in Detroit, good. Choices in Mass Effect, good. Choices in Mega Man, good. Because all those games have or built their structure around that stuff. But I found it quite unsettling when it was Uncharted 4 in Uncharted 4 because I'm like, I don't I don't want to make a choice. I don't care. Like, just show me the game that you that you made for me instead of having this arbitrary and capricious shit in the game. So, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't want to. Here's the thing. If a developer feels like it makes sense, then do it. But uh, don't do it just because everyone's doing it. It's the same thing with game length where it's like just because a game is longer doesn't make it better. And just because a game has choices doesn't make it better at all. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Corey Adams wrote into us, said, hey, CNC, have either of you recently used PS4 remote play with the recent iOS and Android update? Dogs barking. Shit. Yeah. Hold on. No, I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind. Let's <laughs> let's listen sure? to it. Let's listen to it. Oh, my God. What does he want? I think somebody rang our doorbell. Oh, it's a delivery man. Oh, it's a delivery man. It's going to be San- it's going to be uh, Norman Reedus. <laughs> did you see the mega 64 skit by the way that they did no i meant to i meant to watch it but like I, I got distracted those guys are funny i like those guys yeah they're great all right let's start again Corey adams wrote in and said hey cnc have either of you recently used ps4 remote play with the recent ios and android update which allows ps4 controllers to connect directly to your phone revolutionary I initially purchased my Vita for this feature, but never found it reliable. And quite honestly, it felt broken most of the time, not to mention adopting L2 R2 triggers to the rear touchpad. Just awful. As a frequent traveler for work, I love the idea of just bringing my PS4 controller and I'm able to experience full console games on my phone without clunky on-screen touch controls, much like Stadia was promoting. Would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for all the high quality content and abundant entertainment and keep fucking that chicken. Cheers. Thank you, Corey. Uh, for writing in. We appreciate you. I do take a little bit of umbrage with what you said about the Vita. Not not even joking. I always thought the remote play on Vita worked great. Uh, I, I do agree that the L2R2 thing was not good, but I th- it always worked for me. Uh, fine. Yeah. But I didn't try this remote play thing yet with iOS, mostly because I don't believe that if I were like I'm in Virginia, if I, I have my PS4 Pro with me, but if I left it in, in LA, I just don't believe that if I like connected it to my phone and played with a controller that it would be very good. I just don't believe it. Yeah. yeah, maybe maybe I have to see it to believe it. But uh, did you have you tried any of these remote play options? No, I haven't tried them yet. I I just don't. I I'm never in the mood to play like a console quality game when I'm not in front of my console. That's like, that's why you didn't like that's why you didn't like Vita. I assume because that was their whole selling point originally yeah, was like, console just, quality gaming. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I just I don't want to I don't want to play God of War on a on a screen that's smaller than my phone. Especially for the first time, you know, like it's one thing if like it's a game that I I love and I've played like a million times already and it's just kind of like going through the motions like Doom is a perfect game. Like Doom 2016 is a game that I could I could see myself playing on, you know, on Switch or on or on Vita or like, you know, on a bus or on a train somewhere. But I'm not going to play like God of War for the first time and like, you know, put it down and then pick it up on my fucking phone. Like, I'm just not going to do that. Yeah, I'm not going to do that either. I mean, I, I'm glad it works. It seems like it does work. I mean, it sounds like it works. And I mean, it's cool. Yeah, it's a cool. Option. Yeah, I, I, I might like if, if I could connect to the Internet and I could do like Destiny, I might like grind some Destiny stuff out while I'm on a train. But like, I don't, I don't even think that works because you need to connect to the Internet and you need Wi-Fi to do that. And you don't always have Wi-Fi. So it's like I, I, I don't even I don't even really think it solves the, the main problem. No, I don't think so either, although it's just a step in that direction and, and kind of makes because you brought up Stadia, it kind of makes you think twice. If you're interested in Stadia, you already own a PlayStation or an Xbox, then you can have these different options that will keep you away from that as they 
figure things out. But I just always feel like there's going to be a latency problem. I can, see you brought up like Destiny. I can't imagine that game being playable. Yeah. Remotely because it's so pinpoint. It requires like incredible accuracy to be able to play it properly, especially if you're like running it through a server because you're playing Destiny online. So then it's running through a Bungie server and then running back to your PS4 and then running to your your phone. Yeah. I mean, no. I, I can't imagine that's going to be very good. But it's, I don't it's, know. it's terrible. But uh, at least we're trying. At least they're trying. I, I, I still don't understand how this is ever going to be solved, but I'm not very smart. So. Jeshua Anderson wrote into us, Chris, he says, what's up, Eminem? With the success of Resident Evil 2 Remake, plus if Resident Evil 3 Remake is so successful, do you think Konami would seriously look at the at remaking the Silent Hill series, at least one and two? Uh, I highly doubt it, although I do think that there's a possibility that Silent Hill is re-released in a compilation, because remember, Konami has been actually quite flagrant with its re-releases the last 18 months or so. Uh, Symphony of the Night came out and Rondo of Blood came out in a compilation. They had the entire old school Castlevania collection, the Contra collection, the arcade collection. So I don't know. They might be working their way up to Silent Hill. And I don't know how those games are really in control. Uh, I don't. Those are late 90s, early aughts PS1 survival horror games. I don't know if they're really going to be great to play in their, in their natural state. But I think it would be more likely that you would see that as opposed to them remaking Silent Hill. Because if they remade Silent Hill, which would be cool, but if they remade it, everyone would just accuse them of copying Capcom anyway, which was the, by the way, the original accusation of Silent Hill in the beginning. If you guys were around, then you'll remember that everyone was accusing Silent Hill of copying Resident Evil, which they were. But <laughs> uh, so what do you think? Do you think that th they'll remake these games? I honestly think the first one has a shot. I think people are really obsessed with like old horror now, especially with uh, like what he said. Like, I think RE2 really kind of like lit a fire under everybody. And I think Silent Hill 1 is a pretty and two, two is a pretty big classic, too, but, like, one is old to the point where it's, like, it's one of those games like Metal Gear, where it's, like, why has Metal Gear Solid not been properly, like, properly redone? Like, because it, it needs it the most, I think. Yeah, it's a little frustrating that the, and we have discussed this, so I don't mean to be redundant, but it's so strange that they decided to remake Metal Gear Solid, like, five years after it came out. So there wasn't, like, a, it was literally the next generation of consoles got the remake on GameCube. And so yeah. it's really not a big, it's not a jump in any direction. It's kind of frustrating, you know, that they might look at it internally and be like, well, we already remade Metal Gear Solid. And it's like, well, you, I guess so. I mean, Silicon Knights made it and it, I, I thought it was fine, but a lot of people don't like it. And you're right. Like going back to Metal Gear Solid, see Konami's in this impossible position where anything they do with Metal Gear is never going to be accepted because dollars to donuts, they're, they're making Metal Gear Solid six. And I'm really interested to see how that is yeah. and how people receive that, because it's not like Metal Gear Survive, which is not a core game. It's a little bit different. And and with Kojima being not only gone, but also there being so much strife between the parties, it'll be interesting to see if they ever do that. But nonetheless, I would remember they canceled Silent Hills with the PT demo and all that kind of stuff. I don't know what their yeah. intent is. I don't know. We'll see. Hard to interesting read. inquiry. Pavel Bredke, uh, Predke wrote into us now, uh, I think. Pavel is Polish. I didn't write his name entirely properly. It's like there's like a line through an L and like a. I don't know what the hell. I don't know how to say any of these 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 Polish words. So I, I'm I apologize <laughs> if I'm mispronouncing your name. He says, "Hey CNC, I recently played Felix the Reaper trying to get the platinum trophy. Alas, one of the modes of the games doesn't count score correctly, and the final level can't be unlocked." 
Thus, no trophy for the mode equals no platinum. How does this happen? This is not an obscure part of a 150-hour JRPG. It's one of two modes in a 10-hour puzzle game. I can understand that the QA team of a small dev misses that somehow, but how does it pass Sony's certification process? Surely unlocking all the trophies should be high on the checklist. Have a great life. Holy shit. <laughs> How? Well, don't do it. Sounded so aggressive. I know. <laughs> so uh, we talked a little bit about broken trophies before, and I promised you guys we would revisit it. See, this is the kind of frustrating shit that I think is happening when you flood the certification process with garbage. Yeah. Then, then I think that they're not scaling their certification teams. And so what they're probably doing is going on to dev kits. Like uh, people probably know this, but you can go onto a dev kit and unlock all the game's trophies if you want. There's there's dev menus and your you know uh, no clip modes and stuff like that. So you can like go around and just like I remember famously dead uh, what was it uh, Dead Rising two had like you could just go onto the main menu in the game on the dev kit and just unlock all the trophies if you wanted to. And I assume that that might be what they're doing in certification. Now we'll have more insight into this when we send our game into certification. I'll talk to you guys in a, in deep and thorough way about that what that's like because I know a lot of you are interested in it and we haven't done it yet. But I get first of all, the trophies in our game aren't going to be broken. I'll, 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 I'll promise you that. But second of all, I assume even if you excuse QA, because a lot of small teams actually outsource their QA to QA firms that specialize in this stuff. And some games, I assume, like Felix the Reaper might be one of these games that like is so small and so cheaply made and has such a small budget that they might not QA it outside of like their friends and family. That's how we're going to QA our game. So because we can't really afford to send it to us through proper certification because I don't think it's going to be I don't think we're going to make that much money on it. I don't want to like lose money on the game. So uh, I assume that that's the reason they probably went onto a dev kit and pinged the trophies just to make sure that they popped, but might not have gone and seen if all the triggers are actually accurate. And it's totally inexcusable. It doesn't happen very often, but there are games where, where there are games, especially on on PS Vita that are broken because of a broken trophy or two. And it sucks. So you guys can go look. There are trope. There are games that have been out for years that don't have any platinum. People don't have the platinums in them, uh, not because they can't be attained, but because they're broken. And then people don't go back and patch them. See, that's the weirder part. Yeah. About the about this is that like if it's broken, see, Pavel, I'd be interested to hear from you again. Do the developers of this game know it's broken? Have they not tried to patch the game? That would be relevant information for me. Yeah. Stooge wrote into us said, "Hey, CNC." Controllers. I don't know what, what that means. He just says controllers with an exclamation point. Have either of you had issues with the stick? Oh, OK. So you're saying controllers. That's like what you're saying. You want to talk about controllers. You don't have to tell tell me that. We're just going to read about it the next sentence, Stooge. Have either of you. Ha- I'm a little I'm a little bitter today, aren't I? A little bit. Holy, you're holy a, you're a, little, uh, a little nippy. Holy moly. Have either of you had issues with the sticks on your controllers? Mine always wear down on the up direction on the left stick. I play a lot of third person action games. I've also noticed that the newer versions of the DualShock 4, the one with the light bar showing through the touchpad, seems to be wearing down a lot quicker. My first controller lasted an age, but I've gone through three of the newer ones now with all the same issue. Should we be worried about the DualShock 5? They aren't exactly cheap to replace. Thanks. Uh, Yeah, I've actually had problems with my DualShock 4 sticks as well on two of them. I always assumed it was because I was just playing too many games. Uh, but I, it's weird because in, in generations past, I wasn't having similar problems with my controllers. I think my PS3 DualShock 3s work still to this day. Yeah. Have you had any broken DualShock 4s? I had the no broken DualShock 4s. They've worked fine so far. They, there was one issue where I did have an issue with a, the left stick. Where I, was, I remember I was playing The Witcher 3 and I was like, yo, why is... Uh, why is Geralt constantly 
slightly walking. <laughs> it was like so, it was really frustrating, and I had to go out and buy a new one. It's like it. I mean, it still works for the most part, but it, yeah, there there are some there are some issues with the sticks, as far as I've seen. Yeah, I, I've had a similar issue. I don't know if it was the left stick, but I I did throw like straight up throw away a controller like last year because it just wasn't working on the sticks anymore. I think that you have to bake in. We all play a lot of games that listen to the show and obviously do the show. Your controller is not going to probably last forever. And I think we have to accept that. But and the more moving parts that are in your controller, the more problems there are going to be. Like I still have my original NES and SNES controllers and they still work fine. So with all of the different tech in these controllers, it's frustrating that they break down. But it's surprising that he was saying that his first controller lasted an age. But then he's gone through more of the recent ones because a lot of people report the exact opposite. As people will remember, the rubber, uh, like the galvanized rubber or whatever it is on the sticks, would actually unravel yeah, on the original DualShock 4s and like just totally come off. And they seem to have fixed that. But I guess that these other technical problems, I don't know. But he's right. They're not cheap to replace and they should work better. And I'm not worried about DualShock 5. I think it's going to be fine. But we'll, we'll see. You know, it's, it sucks that that's happening to you, though. That that light bar through the touchpad thing always confused me. I don't know why they did that. Would you find it unsettling? Like what? <laughs> I don't I just like what? What's the reason? Why would they do that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we're uh, Thankfully, we're not gonna have to even worry about the fucking light bar anymore. Battery yeah. eating light bar. I will say, though, to Stooge and to the audience, the most notoriously broken sticks on any controller were the Dreamcast controllers. And you'll you'll you can hear lots of tales. I'm sure if you search around that the triggers and the sticks on dual on Dreamcast controllers broke like in a second. It was so annoying. Um, I went through I, I only played Dreamcast regularly for like two years and I think I went through like three controllers. Brad E wrote in and said, hi, CNC. Is it OK to cheat? I'm emotionally tor- torn, but my wife sure isn't. She cheats constantly and she justifies it by saying it's normal and everyone else is doing it. You could say I'm more conservative and think you should avoid the temptation no matter how long it takes. Last week, I came home and found her cheating again. It was so disappointing. This time it was Tomb Raider. She was on YouTube with some walkthrough blatantly cheating her way through an entire puzzle. Isn't the joy of self-accomplishment worth the frustration sh- some games present? I like this question, actually. Chris, are you a uh, walkthrough user or an no. FAQ user? I, nope. I, I'm not, but there, there are occasional times where I'm just sitting and playing a game and I'm enjoying it. And then I'm seeing something that is just so either irritating or just frustrating that I, I, knew, I know that I won't get any satisfaction from figuring it out myself. Because I know the, the feeling that I'm going to get is like, are you fucking joking? That's always going to be the reaction. And I, I just avoid that entirely. And sometimes I look it up. I got stuck at this one point in Death Stranding, although I did. I did have. Uh, I did have somebody with me who was distracting me, so that probably didn't help. But like it was at the cliff. It was at the one of the one of the shooting sections. I'll say that. I don't think that's too. Right, right. No, I don't. think. And, so. uh, you know, <laughs> the guy who, who I was with, it was like, oh, the thing said escape the beach. You just got to run away from it. I was like, what? And then I tried to run away from it. I kept dying. It's like, fuck this. I'm looking it up. And then it was like, oh, wait, you actually have to fight. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, I had, I had multiple times in Death Stranding that I looked up what to do next because I was getting annoyed. Uh, you, I don't even want to say any more than that because I don't want to spoil it. But the I'm at, you know, so I think everyone knows in the nine in the late 90s, I began my career in the video game industry as a walkthrough writer and a guide writer. And I wrote uh, 35 FAQs on GameFAQs and the 94 strategy guides for IGN. And. I'm a strategy guide fan. Like I'm a fan of the craft of strategy guide writing. I'm a fan of who's good at it and who isn't. And I'm actually really sad that in this era, 
It's actually exceedingly rare to find text guides because that's what I like. I like text guides, maybe with some screenshots. I hate video walkthroughs. I fucking hate them. And I rarely use them because I feel like it's different reading what you have to do than just watching it. Like, why would I want to watch what I have to do? Can't you just explain it to me? But obviously that doesn't make as much money. But I'm a guide user. Like, I have very little patience with like obscure shit in games. And I have no problem. Like, if I run into a wall and I'm for five minutes, I'm like, I don't know where to go next. I'm like, fuck it. I'll just look it up. It's not like I'm looking up like what to do for a, you know, maybe I do sometimes in a boss fight or whatever, but I'd rather be less frustrated and just move on with the game yeah. than, than be like in this endless loop in a Tomb Raider game trying to figure out a puzzle, even if to your point, I figure out the solution and then it's like, oh, you're so dumb. How did you not know that? Which happens. Yeah, that happened to me once in Fallen Order where it was like, it was like some ball puzzle. It was like I had to like th- throw these balls around and I was like, I don't get it. I don't even. I, I also just forgot why I was there, and the game wouldn't tell me why I was there. So I was like, "Ah, I don't remember what the purpose of this puzzle was." <laughs> so I just, so I just looked it up, and I was like, "All right, well, fine." I, I don't feel like I was robbed out of anything. There's no shame in it, but uh, I understand if some people are against it. But I just have a heritage with guides and walkthroughs, so I, I, I have no problem using them. And yeah, so I'm sorry your wife's cheating, uh, but hopefully everything uh, comes uh, comes out clean for you guys uh, in the end. <laughs> Finally, Chris, uh, Tyler Mitchell wrote in and said, hey, cummy shorts, Colin and curdled milk. Chris, is that really necessary? Tyler? I really hated every 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 syllable. Yeah, it's not that. I just don't, I don't like that. With King of Cards coming soon, I thought this was a relevant question. Uh, King of Cards, of course, is the final sh- uh, Shovel Knight DLC. Whenever you talk about Yacht Club games, you fail to mention Cyber Shadow. I played the demo at PAX and really enjoyed it, even if it was a tad too easy. Is this game just flying under your radar? Have you forgotten about it? Thanks, boys. Well, no, I've not forgotten about Cyber Shadow, Tyler, but you're mistaken. Um, Yacht Club Games is publishing it. They're not developing the game. Uh, a Finnish studio called Mechanical Head is making Cyber Shadow. I think it's only one or two people, actually. Yeah. So I don't really consider that. A, it's not a Yacht Club game. It's not Shovel Knight. So that's why we don't talk about it. But Cyber Shadow looks excellent. If you guys want to go look it up, it looks awesome. It's Ninja Gaiden. I mean, it looks like NES Ninja Gaiden. It looks great, but it's not a Yacht Club game. They're publishing it and they're kind of getting their feet wet uh, and seeing if they want to do that or not, I guess, moving forward. But it's not a Yacht Club developed game. And so that's why we don't talk about it too much. But it looks great. And I highly recommend everyone go check it out if you're in, if you're interested in NES style 2D side scrollers, which obviously I am. So but that's 10 questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas from the audience instead of our usual six. Hope you enjoyed them. Chris, that's all I have for this episode of Sacred Symbols. Oh, how, how neat. podcast. Now, when are you heading back to L.A.? Are you going back soon? <clears throat> I'm going back tomorrow. Whoa. Uh, yeah, I'm going back tomorrow. I'm going back tomorrow at like four and I'll be home oh, okay. at around like eight. Cool. Are you going? Are you flying into LAX or are you flying into Burbank? No, I'm flying into Burbank. God, I'm, oh, okay. I'm, never, I'm never going to LAX again. There's no point. I'm terrified of going back on Saturday because they have that new LA exit thing. That's yeah. like the, where you have to take the bus to the Uber thing. And it's apparently a nightmare. So I'm like really dreading it, like really dreading it. Yeah, no, but, I- <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Oh yeah, let, I, I was actually reading the uh, Twitter hashtag about it just to really psych myself up, and uh, not a good idea because everyone hates it. So, well, I'll let you guys know how it all goes. But I hope you enjoyed this episode of uh, Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. Sorry for the lack of news. We don't manufacture the news; we just relay it. So, yeah. uh, but we hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you so much for supporting us. Remember to go to Patreon.com/slash Collins Last Stand for early ad-free access to our show, the ability to submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas, and access to Sacred Symbols Plus, the weekly supplement to PlayStation Podcast, only available to patrons. 
And uh, the, again, the most recent one was Death Stranding. We'll do a mailbag later in the week and have that up for you on Friday as always. Uh, so thank you again. Appreciate you. And we'll see you next time for more Sacred Symbols. Goodbye. Take care, guys. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is a product of and a registered trademark of Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded right here in sunny Santa Monica, California, USA. This show is conceived by, is written by, and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-host is Chris Raygun. You can find me on Twitter at NoTaxation and on Instagram at CLS Moriarty. Chris is on Twitter at Chris R. Gunn and on Instagram at Chris underscore Ray underscore Gunn. Sacred Symbols is edited by Dustin Furman. Any snail mail can be sent to the CLS P.O. Box, P.O. Box 1233, Santa Monica, California, 90406. To message the show online, please use Patreon's DM service. As you know, all of Colin's Last Stand shows, including Sacred Symbols, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and we are eternally grateful for your kindness, generosity, and fandom. Chris Adams, Carlos Algaret, Morgan Ashley, Saul Balcazar, Taylor Barkley, Martin Beck, Tyler Bello, Mark Boggio, Barrett Boswell, Spencer Brand, Miguel Brewer, Lennon Brixie, Eric R. Brown, Jason Budnick, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Dylan Burns, Chris Buston, Nick C., Alex Cabrera, Patrick Harper, William O'Carroll, Brian Chan, Sean Chandler, David Chestnut, Rodney Coleman, Simon Conception, Brad Cooley, John Cordero, Gio Corsi, Nick Cottrell, Philip Crone, Daniel Diamore, Colin Davenport, Knight Draft, David Ellis, Jerome Ferreira, Joe Finelli, Eric Finkenbeiner, Rudon Fitzpatrick, Chris Galvin, Connor Gashian, Alex Gates, Michael Gates, Salem Ghanem El Ghanem, Tyler Goodwin, Josh Gravelick, Miranda Grubba, Jonathan H., Eric Harden, Tyler Harris, Richard Hebert III, Kyle Hagel, Shane Hendrickson, Wyatt Henry, Robbie Hensley, Scott Hernandez, Asa Haas, Johnny Humphreys, Blake Israel, Azan Isa Al Ricey, Josh Yeager, Garrett Jagger, Joshua Jonathan, Paul Joyce, Greg Julius, Anton Kay, Patrick Kelly, Jeremy Key, Antti Kinnanen, James Kinslow III, Ryan R. Kittredge, Mason Kodolak, Jackson Lastiqua, Joe Lawson, Don Q. Lee, Matthew Lenz, Patrick Leslie, Dustin Lewis, Keith Adrian Lewis, Chad Lewis, Lou and Ray Loper, Colin Love, Scott Lovelace, Josh M, Kiet Mai, Ryan T. Mandel, Ross Maranka, Matt Martin, Sean Mason, Jordan Moss, Zachariah McAdoo, John McCarthy, Josh McKinney, Joe McPartland, Raul Melendez, Andrew Mendoza, Chris Moore, Betty Ann Moriarty, Ryan Murdoch, Adam Nix, Donnie Nolan, Dan Nolan, George Anthony Nunez, Jesse Owen, Jorge Palomino, Andrew Parker, Zach Parsley, Daniel Parsons, Marius S. Peterson, Gerald Pennington, Matthew Perdue, Enrique Perez, Jason Pettit, Travis Plymel, Jeff Pollard, Lawrence F. Prokop, Nathan R., Ryan Reeves, Michael Renner, Peter Reynolds, Shane Rayum, Jonathan Rice, Mark Richardson, Daniel Rivas, Petro Rose, A.G. Rowe, Jose Salinas, John Schultz, Michael Shanholtz, Toby Schutman, Joshua Smallwood, Ahmad Tamar, Ben Thompson, Carl Tolman, Alan Tremblay, Michael Vecchio, Oakley Waldron, Justin Wagaman, Connor Walton, Isaac Wastman, Damon Weathers, Mike Wayant, David Wright, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zuniga, Bloody Fang, Homeworld Hub, Gamer Filmaholic, Megadet, IQ Train, Throw7, McDog18, Infinite, Organic Produce, Mad Mock Media, Not Your Real Dad, Mubarak, Craft Heads Podcast, Richter86, Hugo's Desk, Andrew, Ian, Chris, Dav9834, Rainick, and Casual Misfits Gaming. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. 
The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today.